1: if we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it.
0: Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring.
2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today.
0: Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon-perfect nails for just $2 a manicure. The following is a presentation of the Force Center Podcast Feed.
1: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode is the Book of Boba Fett Report. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw.
2: I'm Ken Napsuck. We are going to hang out with an old friend
1: in a new place on this episode. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. The Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 5, is basically the title of it, could have been, and the sub-book of The Mandalorian, Din Djarin. The actual title is Chapter 5, Return of the Mandalorian, written, of course, by John Favreau and directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. About, oh, 48 minutes-ish of actual story and uh, just, I think, a big surprise for lots of people. We had the music cue that suggested that uh fennec and boba would be reaching out to din jarn for help but man that <laughs> that music cue at the end of last week's episode was like look we're we're playing fair We're we're telling you not subtly not like he's going to be one in a lineup of seven <laughs> but get ready for the return of the mandalorian we always like to set the scene uh, for our viewing. Did you have your normal midnight viewing with your partner? How'd that go?
2: Well, a little bit later, there was a, there was a delay, and uh, it was uh, about twelve oh five, and 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 we ended watching about twelve thirty, right? So it was a late night. Um, but about twelve oh five, I was just kind of relaxing, trying to find the force. Like I was like I was. And antsy, ready to like press play. So I just was still kind of maybe playing some video games, and I did that thing where I started to reach for my phone, just like eh, eh. And I, I gotta put I gotta put the phone away from me. I'm gonna just absolutely Accidentally stumble onto someone going, oh my god! And then Cad Bane showed up with a birthday cake, and Bosk was there, and Annie Ann was there, and I just Vosk like I burst guess. out of the birthday cake. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that was the big challenge to finally sit down and watch it. And uh, uh, and uh, both um, Grace and I, my my fiance and my partner, gosh, she just uh, she's a she's a fan of Menace Kit. I was there, that was the first Star Wars film, and uh, she just flipped for so much in this episode, and, and it was fun for her, fun for me to watch her, her go through that, and then uh, fun for me as well.
1: Yeah, I, I had my normal kind of midnight viewing. I didn't nap. I, I tweeted a picture of Dooku in his exquisite pajamas that I uh, screencapped. Yes. I took from one of our Clone Wars reviews where he's just chilling with no blanket. He's so powerful. He doesn't need a blanket. Uh, and it really kind of captured the mood for me of like, OK, at about 1030, I'm tired. And it's just like 90 minutes, 90 minutes. Uh, so, yeah, as always, my my wife goes to bed and then we watch it together the next night. And when my wife was going to bed, I was like, I will try not to make noises. I know I yelled pretty loud when the uh, the LEP, the rabbit droid, showed up last week. And she was like, I love it when I hear faint screams.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I let it rip a couple times, uh, uh, a couple uh, yelps of joy and surprise and, and fun in this episode. Yeah. So that was really, really great. Mm-hmm. I also go through, uh, I've mentioned before on the podcast that uh, I got a Boba Fett action figure right on my coffee table and... I turn him around to watch his show. And about halfway through I'm like, "Oh man, sorry Boba." <laughs> <laughs> then I I have a Din in action figure uh, with Grogu right next to Boba so I was like, "Oh, um, I will turn him around to watch with Boba because clearly this is Din's episode.
2: <laughs> it is, uh, yeah. A lot of people saying an interlude in the book of Boba Fett, and I think that that's uh, appropriate there. But yeah, yeah, I yeah, I had that reaction. We'll talk to the overall picture, but yeah, the moment it starts and he's there, and I was like, oh, they're just going right to it. I was like, I just didn't realize that they no, they were really just going right to it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's dive into our overall reactions. uh, And let's start with that. Were you at all bothered by the fact that this was uh, a a chapter of Din's story? Uh, Did you expect it to like cut away at any point of like, cool, we're going to catch up with Din for a while, but now we're going to come to Boba? Uh, Did you wrestle with that at all?
2: I, I wrestled with it in the sense of, I, I just, I miss Boba Fett. I, I missed him. I miss Chris Sandin. I miss Garcef Whip It's not a criticism of the episode. It's just, I, I personally am so on board with the world they're building over there in that storyline, both past and, and present, that I, I yeah, I kind of was like, oh, I guess I'll wait till next week to my new friend Boba, who I never really hung out with in high school, but now I'm friends with. Um, I did, I I did miss them in a way, but, but I think I don't know why we just all but all of us, you, and me, and l- listeners, have been watching Star Wars for so long now. Uh, that the about two minutes into the episode, I was like, ah, this is just this is clearly gonna be all din, and uh, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna be here for the ride. Much like a lot of people I hear talking about too, uh, the Bad Batch going to spend a couple episodes with Hera and and Young Hera and everything. And it's like you know what? It's part of a part of this bigger book, indeed. Like everyone's saying, and and I just went along for the ride.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I, I felt the same way. I definitely um. I was so excited to see Boba Fett just <laughs> grumble his way through an adventure, or maybe a, a pet an exotic creature. Uh, I've really been loving the whole vibe and, and the performances uh, mm. from the main actors. So I was really excited to spend some time with Boba Fett, and then thrilled, hooted when it was uh, when it was Din, and then as the episode went on, I think I had a little bit of that, like okay, just let it go, because I feel like what it was is like okay, I I came to this. Uh, show expecting a really delicious pizza and instead I got really delicious pasta (laughs) like (laughs) still a delicious dish and very much related so stop whining about the pizza and enjoy your pasta uh, is what I said uh, to myself in our endless food analogies
2: for center and food together again. Yeah. And, 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 uh, if you're a giant Boba Fett fan and, and you, you're you a little bummed that you didn't get a little bit of Boba Fett, I totally get you. I'm, I'm there with you on that, but this is clearly a, a big, bigger journey we're on together. And I do think it, it's so f- fed into the themes, uh, of, of the series overall uh, that, that, that it's, uh, it, there's a lot there, but you know, Boba, Boba Fett will be there for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The pizza pizza Fett will be back. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I think the reason that I also was really enjoying it was it didn't just feel like you know a backdoor pilot for a season three of Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. It, it raises lots of interesting questions about the shape of this story, but I feel like the the groundwork was laid honestly by having some imagery that's explicitly from the Mandalorian, right? Those uh, Stormtrooper helmets seeing uh Peli, uh walk by with the pit droids, uh obviously moments that are from Mandalorian that we saw in the flashback with uh with Fennec, right? It's mm-hmm. there's been a lot of uh clues that like, look, these are really connected shows. It's not just that they have been in each other's <laughs> shows and that they know each other, that this is a part of this kind of Mandoverse, uh, for mm-hmm. lack of a of a different term. And I thought it was great that it moved ahead, not necessarily the immediate Boba Fett story, but it moved ahead the big picture plot of the Mandoverse a ton, making a lot of uh, canon things that had been, or sort of lore, past story things that had been talked around the edges, making them explicit, making it crystal clear. And biggest thing for me, and one of the things I loved most about this episode, is I felt like there are similarities, there are thematic connections in the journey that Din and boba are going on and this episode felt to me like it was saying like yes we know (laughs) and that's why that's why this is one story these are two warriors Mm -hmm. who are struggling to go through change and they value being warriors they value being hunters but they want to be something different and i feel like those comparisons were made Concrete in this episode,
2: yeah, to sync them all up, uh, indeed, yeah. And look, overall, this was just such a fun experience as a Star Wars fan and a viewer. This was, uh you and I were talking off air. This episode could be called deep and silly, and <laughs> all through it, I just you kind of mentioned some of the bigger answers. Even if some of the answers weren't concrete, it just was more more layers onto some of the answers we're getting or going to get. And, and this episode made me go, "Ooh, ah, okay, a lot." I went a lot just. Okay, gotcha.
1: Yeah, and for me, it was a a nice episode of remembering that uh, patience pays off when watching these shows. I mean, mm-hmm. it was two years before when a mysterious feet walked up to Fennec Shand, right, and that paid off <laughs> uh, in the last episode uh, that we watched. But this, you know, episode really paid off to me. Uh, things like, you know, that Canning concern of. Well, why is Bo-Katan so insistent that the Darksaber needs to be won through combat since she was just handed to it before? And that had been, you know, a, a point of frustration for some fans. And it, for me, it was just like the helmet removal thing of the first season. of like, but the Mandalorians, is like almost always when those things come up, those what sound like canon or character inconsistency. Uh, those are actually juicy, interesting stories. And we just need to wait.
2: Yeah. Yeah, not quite a side mission in a video game, but just like, uh, you know, you'll get that later on. You'll pick that back up. We're building. We're building. And I I, I still think this, all these episodes stand up on their on their own. I, it, it's not, they're not completely reliant. This episode, you talk, you talk about being a backdoor pilot. Uh, if you just happen to be a Boba Fett fan and you had no idea what the Mandalorian is, you get a sense early on. It is kind of a reintroduction in a way, and it all syncs up nice uh, as we wait for those, uh, those answers, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me one of the other things you mentioned it, uh we were talking about it off air cuz it's such a huge thing of why I love this episode is that it was uh obviously it was this glorious buffet of eras and stories and uh storytelling mediums that were all coming together. That was great. But I feel like it was just much like uh uh that Cl- Clatoonian at the beginning. Uh it was this episode was severed in half. <laughs> yeah. Uh of that first half was some of the most just visually exciting Star Wars stuff, Um, you know, uh, battles on bridges above space (laughs) with shields one assumes, but lots of fighting, lore, you know, uh, dark sabers, all sorts of like the part of Star Wars that is like cool and badass and the kind of thing that if you said to an original trilogy kid like there's a Boba Fett guy but he's got a lightsaber and he has to fight another bigger Boba Fett guy because that one wants the lightsaber the kind of stuff you go cool Star Wars is so badass cool and then the second half is just so much let's embrace that Star Wars does have comedy let's embrace that vibe of Everybody matters. The the cute characters have opinions and perspectives too. It's fun to race and go wee, you know? <laughs> it is so um, a combination of the brutal and cool and badass and like the, the heartfelt and the whimsical and it all ties together.
2: It, it really does. Once again, I, th- I know I said this last week, but it, uh, this felt like Star Wars animation, uh, which means if you're Clone Wars and Rebels you know, person you maybe you're on board. If it ain't your bag, man, the series might not be for you. I keep kind of going back to that. What I just mean by that is what you're describing is I think Clone Wars and rebels because it had a different, uh, it played in a different arena a little bit. It was heavy into lore and that crashed into silly droid comedy, AP five mm-hmm. singing in space and all those kind of things. And, and not everyone sits and watches those animated shows. I get it. And and sometimes it's just not for you. I, I, I'm i not a huge Pixar fan. I don't connect with it as much as other people do. And I've had those conversations with friends who are like, I just, I've just i seen the Clone Wars. I don't connect with it. I don't connect with Rebels. The layout, everything, a lot of things presented in these episodes just have that same spirit to me. Not that that stuff's not in the movies. It's very much in the movies because they're all connected in that way, that emotional canon. But I just, I just watch these and I, I think – because I'm uh, in a different spot with Mieber Gascon I'm, I'm, <laughs> than I was 10 years ago, uh, I think I, 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 I'm having a lot, of, lot more fun of these episodes than, than I think I would have had 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it it rewards accepting and embracing the uh, the vast tonal scape of Star Wars, uh, that you can enjoy these different tones. And what I thought was particularly great about this, Ken, and maybe we can get into it more as we, we talk about the big picture themes, but I wanted to mention it at, at the top, is I, it felt entirely cohesive because it felt like those tones were not just mixed in uh, because those are the tones you can play with in Star Wars. It felt extremely purposeful. Like, yeah. uh, I'm not saying this from an age perspective, but more relationship uh, perspective. This episode, to me, felt like Din Djarin's two moms. Like... Yeah these two maternal influences and the tone is emanating from those characters. Mm. You know, the armorer is harsh in unyielding things are her way. And this sort of child figure in relationship mm. is supposed to find a way to follow every rule of this cult. Right. And, uh, I'm just letting out an opinion there saying a cult. We'll talk about that more, too. Uh Or
2: <laughs> I didn't fight you. I was nodding going, "Yep, that's a cult."
1: <laughs> yeah, if a substitute in other words so I can finish making my point if you need to, dear listener. Um the this organization, this uh faith, this structure uh that the armor is very firm in unyielding, do it this way. This is the way. And then in contrast, Pelly has this very playful relationship and still encouraging and, and still imparting wisdom and like yeah, she's got an agenda she's trying to to sell the thing but she's really trying to just be like hey <laughs> think about some things some different ways you know they both encourage him to adapt and change but but the tone of the mm-hmm. armor's harsh and unyielding presence and pelly's playful and encouraging why not energy is to me it makes those tones have like meaning they're not just tones for variety the tones have meaning to what din is going through
2: hundred percent yeah i think i i think this episode should now be called my two moms <laughs> and like i almost mean that seriously uh and, and before we get dangerously close to discussing themes i i think there's a lot to take from them as, as a star wars fan especially uh as star wars deals with generational change in in its stories and outside of its stories uh I, I, to my own personal journey of 10 10 12 years ago i would have been like this this some of this stuff is really stupid and silly uh, not you know and then I would I would have been like this dark stuff this is the way otherwise you destroy star wars and to, to just kind of to move and grow and change with it this episode's telling you that this episode's showing that and it's all part of it uh that's just something from my perspective too. the style of the show too I want to discuss a little bit more joseph uh, i i, I Favreau is uh, is this is his series this is this is the thing he's writing there's there's a staff writer everything this isn't something built in a room and I, I am a uh, overall big fan of his stuff going back to swingers I'm a really annoying swingers fan a uh, little <laughs> bit older movie 25 years not everything holds up in it, in it. I get that but um, love that movie and that is a very deliberately awkwardly paced Slice of life story. It's a, it's a great way to describe it. you described that uh, off air to me, Joseph, as well. Slice of life that, that, that is just, it's just really, it knows what it's doing and it does its own thing and it doesn't f- follow a lot of typical structures. And I see, th- I see, believe it or not, see swingers in Book of Boba Fett and Mando, but I, I just see, I see that style so much all the way through.
1: Yes, instead of Din saying at the end of his flight uh, through Beggar's Canyon, instead of saying, that's so money, he said wizard.
2: He says wizard. But that thing of, let's go to Vegas for a, a, a part of the movie. Let's go uh, clubbing. Let's go play hockey with our enemies. and It's all these just slow building things that all move to one emotional, it has an emotional through line, but it builds to an emotional climate.
1: Yeah, I think it's great to to bring up that history of Favreau's storytelling. Um, and I think this is one of those things that I like really, really understand if it doesn't work for people because it yep. is a different kind of storytelling. Um, but for me, it really does work. It's a totally valid style of storytelling. It is slice of life. I think it's this uh, approach that there can be meaning in every moment of a life, particularly when you're following... A handful of main characters, and you're seeing what truly affects them. Sometimes what affects them is a big climactic battle, you know, a a parting of ways or a joining of forces. But sometimes it's a quiet conversation. Sometimes it's what they're reflecting on while they're traveling. And it's this we're still in a space fantasy, but it's those moments that make it feel real to me because we all live our lives that way. Sometimes the biggest moment of our day can be on a bus when we're just thinking right or when somebody who doesn't realize that they are having an important conversation with us says something that that blows our minds right and it's like in this internal way so i think it's this real valuing from favreau going back to swingers i think you're so right of telling this story of just like, I'm going to show you the event that happened to this character. Sometimes it's big and shocking. Sometimes it's small and quiet. But I just want you to sit with this character and feel what they're feeling and think about why they're acting the way they are. And for me, I don't think that's slow. I don't think that's bad story structure. I think it's a breath of fresh air because I think a lot of current screenwriting wisdom and dogma, particularly when you're like like I actively am doing right now as this comes yeah. from a place of knowledge, actively trying to sell, uh, there can be a lot of like, this script should move exactly this way. This thing should happen on exactly this page. Every scene should have a ton of conflict. Every scene should heighten and build. And those are all good things. That is one way to build a script, but it's not the only way to tell a story. And I feel like this is taking this other slice of life approach yeah. and I really enjoy it understand if other people don't
2: yeah it's almost as if the phrase this is the way is uh constricting (laughs) it certainly
1: can be certainly can be (laughs) yeah great uh i'm really glad that you brought that up i think it's a really fascinating thing to think about as there are many opinions about this show and i think that tone that pacing that storytelling style is a big part of the uh divergent opinions on this
2: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and, and look yeah if you're not if you're not there you're not there that's that's uh that, that ain't no problem
1: yeah, exactly. Right. So let's dive in. Then we talked a lot about our overall reaction uh, to this episode and to the general style of storytelling. But let's dig into the big ideas, the themes. What's at stake in this particular chapter of the book of Boba Fett for you?
2: Uh, look, it's so funny. you know We I uh, add on to the previous notes right from last week, and, and so mm-hmm. last week's themes of together versus alone, don't find change, find your place and change, fighting for something, which were the way I took I, I took the, took the uh, themes uh, from last week. Um, I almost was like, I almost don't want to erase them because they're all there. But then <laughs> in the um, so in that place, I, I just go on. I, I always love listening, uh, li- listing the titles here of my themes. And we'll dive on in here, Joseph. But uh, loss of place, loss of family, loss of purpose. Um, I mean, literally, the first line is "You looked lost." <laughs> you looked lost, like literally the first line of this uh, yeah this episode. Uh, growth, change, and building new from old uh, is important to me. But I love, but the the my two moms thing this this is that section, right? And and the way you approach growth and the way you approach uh, uh, change and and uh, building and what's important to me is. Uh, the, so much of going back to the loss of place and loss of purpose. Din is someone who went on this wonderful journey and got to a new place. And then that journey changed dramatically. And to feel kind of adrift after that is so realistic to me and such a powerful theme. Uh, final one, little one I'll toss in is uh, Honor Begets Honor, which is just, uh, I think, a nice way of saying um, it's the art of building up versus destroying. And also a little bit of, of uh, how and why you wield blades weapons and weapons. Oh, fighting. yeah.
1: No, I think the 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 fact that uh, both his moms are trying to help him master something new, and he is grumbly <laughs> and stubborn about it, that's a huge connection too. Of can you master the dark saber? Uh, can you accept a starfighter? <laughs> yeah, can you master a starfighter? Even down to having you know very very similar lines of instruction about uh, how to embrace that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love everything that you're saying. I think for me, the big idea was struggling toward change. Um, And this is where I I really liked right away that it just went in your head. Even if you didn't, if you're not being deep and analytical, you like, you know, well, he just went on this journey where he was changed, where he, he, uh, you know, adjusted his creed. He took off his helmet to connect this, this, uh, you know, young creature, this young 50 year old creature. (laughs) Now what? And it's just that he is trying to go back to what he knew. And it immediately ties it to the journey we've been watching Boba Fett go on of like, I am trying to change something. Mm -hmm. And I think Din is in the process of being changed, but he is not entirely accepting it yet. Right. Uh, I think it's so, it's a great action scene, but it's also like amazing that uh, I love that you point out the line of you look lost, but that that action scene is him clumsily wielding a new weapon uh, and just butchering, in our butcher shop. He's just like the yeah. fact that it's a butcher shop and that's kind of the most violent we've seen then. Yeah. And like literally, you know, wounding himself, hacking limbs. It's just so such a picture of somebody who is normally kind of calm and collected, totally out of step, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean,
2: you could get into the deep philosophies of uh, weapons like that with the Jedi, and we will. But you're so right that the taking the time to walk through the butcher shop or the the, the 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 freezers of the behind the deli, I'd love to go to see the front uh, of that store where where I can get some good uh, ronto meat. Um, <laughs> yeah, just everything and he being hurt by his own weapon and and just bisecting this guy, just vi- everything. It was it was uh, in your face violence, and because we literally hear some lines from the pilot episode chapter two of Mando weapons of my religion. A lot of the, he is just so back to where we first found him and and that adrift thing. Just really, uh, it just, you just really feel that in that opening sequence.
1: Yeah. So I I thought it was like a great action sequence, but it also set the tone of like, he is trying to find, literally find his way back to his people, find his way back to Mm -hmm. his, his covert and you know, where he left off before this whole Grogu thing. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, But not, not, uh, not actually adjusting to what has happened to him on a yes. comedy side note i'm sure it already exists but man I'm, I'm looking forward to the videos of you know a more elegant weapon for a, a more civilized age and then <laughs> jump cut to the hacking <laughs> him <laughs> cutting his own foot or his own leg yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah so i love then that we see the the reveal that he's just trying to go back and we know that he's changed by his relationship with grogu but he tries to go back to the old ways, like literally the old ways, not just like his day to day life, but a uh, philosophy that is based in the old ways. And he he, uh, you know, bumps up against all this rigidity. Right. I, I wrote down a couple lines from the armor, uh, you know, just following ancient songs and prophecies. That's the way it's always been. This is the way it's going to be. You know, she's. this is the way that the dark saber works if it is won by, by Creed in battle, uh, he gets pushback that, uh, it isn't good enough that he didn't personally kill Moff Gideon, uh, and left him with a new Republic tribunal. Uh, the armor kind of scolds him about the existence of the spear of the Mandalorian steel is meant for armor, not weapons. Uh, it, it, she, uh, there's a little bit of pushback on Grogu immediately of uh, he's, he wants to make something for Grogu. And she's like, but that's not the way Jedi work. Yeah. Um, even talking about, we'll get into all of the canon details of everything she says about, about <laughs> yeah. Mandalore and the, yeah. the vicious subtweet to Satine Kreeze <laughs> and her leadership, as well as Bo-Katan's, uh, you know, that line of only those that walked away, escaped the fate prophesied in the creed. Mm-hmm. Like everything she's saying is about our way, or the highway (laughs) yeah and it's this just kind of shock i think to to din's system it really it almost felt to me like um kind of the stereotypical story of like you got a group of friends and then Mm -hmm. maybe in high school and then you go off to college or walk Mm -hmm. europe or india and come back and try to just fit back into the groove and it's not happening you're saying a bunch of things that to your friends are like yeah no that's not the way you know
2: Yeah, look, this is not the first time nor the last time that we here will talk about uh, Frodo's journey and Tolkien uh, playing with those big uh, hero's journey stuff. But the moment of them back at the that the at the pub at the end of all of it, when the four hobbits are sitting there ready to have a pint, they look at each other and they're like, it ain't the same that is, that is a, such a human experience. And you tied it to going back to high school buddies or hometown or something like that is such a, a just are uh, a human existence. And I, I really felt that with Din going back, you, you, you think I did what I'm supposed to do. I, I went on my journey, I completed my task. I grew. Now I'm back. I'm picking up, uh, picking up the pieces where I was, uh, not even getting to the stuff that the armor is saying, but just him sitting there, just it's, it's, it, it, he's alone in that, in that pub with a pint going I don't belong here anymore but that's hard to face that's hard to accept
1: yeah exactly and and it's so well directed by Bryce Dallas Howard to just in written by Jon Favreau to get to that pressure point where he can lie, <laughs> or he can tell the truth. He's changed, and he, yeah. he can't. He can't be there anymore, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's. It, I love that Din Jarn is kind of. Um, he's a little bit in contrast Boba Fett. Boba Fett has like he actively wants to change. He is in fact trying to bring the change that happened to him to the entire criminal world of Tatooine and and Mos Espa. And Din is aware that he's changed, but not. He hasn't fully accepted it, right? Mm-hmm. And he's just got this kind of stubborn streak and one of the things yeah. i love about din is he is so cool uh mandalorian badass uh, but also j- you just kind of get that the the feeling that he's the kind of guy that you'd take to a restaurant he's been to before and he orders the same thing and he grumbles if you insist on getting something new like there's this there's this charm to him he's like ah jeez but i like it this way um uh, and, and i think that comes through again when he's struggling to adapt to the dark saber and this is the one time where the armor is kind of advocating that he does need to learn to change right when she says you are you are fighting against the blade and that great quote of a uh, persistence without insight will lead to the same outcome yes. uh, which is i think good advice but maybe a little hypocritical from the armor um and then the, the then he's going through those same once he has to leave he's going through those same things adapting to even the idea of having a starfighter, the idea of just like I wanted a Razor Crest, I wanted the exact same thing again. <laughs> uh, I wanted my hamburger at the diner I know with the toppings I like. Uh, and that that journey then with Peli really convinces him to try something new, and has that very similar line to the armor where uh, Pelly says, "You're used to a gunship, but she's a starfighter. Fly her like one." Is it's just a great mirror of you know this is a different weapon fight like you're using the weapon that you're using.
2: Right. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I saw that, you know, other than just the, uh, you know, I'm staring at my N1 starfighter uh, on display on my shelf right in front of me here. I love the N1 starfighter. Other than just the fun of seeing that for him to say, it's a pile of junk, but it really is something that was once hand constructed, built with great purpose and it was lost. And now it's found. And that's kind of where he is at that point in con- contrast to what you're saying with uh, the dark saber and the training from the armor, which is, darkly themed and and i i see the armor trying to uh you know impede a lot of his forward momentum and growth as, as well as uh maybe protecting herself in her way too it's so fascinating
1: yeah yeah and i think that's the, this great contrast with these relationships where you know the armor is it, it, it encouraging him to uh be a little less dogmatic when it comes to how to wield the blade but besides that everything is dogma oh, yeah. right and she's mm-hmm. like you stepped out of line you you have to leave I got a quest for you, of course, because I always do. And we'll talk about that as well. But you got to leave, right? And in contrast, Pelly encourages him in this fun, playful way to try something different and to try something specifically that could be joyful. That isn't like all about purpose and honor and survival. It's just this might be fun. Try something different. And he's rewarded by joy. And he allows himself to change. He allows himself to enjoy that ship instead of just grumbling that it's not a razor crest. And it builds to, you know, a a line that some people in Star Wars love and a line that some people have made fun of for decades now. And it is just laden with meaning to me now when he says wizard. He allowed himself to change. He got some joy. Wizard. We will
2: talk about the wizard of it all. Holy moly.
1: I love that. No, I love what you're saying.
2: I'm also hearing myself at a restaurant going, Ken, do not order the chicken parm. Try something new. (laughs) And he ordered, you Ken, you ordered scampi you got to take it in like scampi. All right. It's a different meal experience. Uh, <laughs> the uh, shrimp are heavy. Don't fight them. Don't fight them. Look, uh, you're going back to the armor. If we want to start diving into some of the, that, that stuff in this, this growth and change and building old from new and, and, and love to hear all, all the stuff you found in this uh, too, Joseph. But I just want to, I, I, she literally takes his weapon and because it, I, 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 this is my, I, it can pierce her armor. It, mm-hmm. and, and, and she takes away something from him that we, saw him earn he earned this it was it was it was a part of his growth it was part of an addition to who who he was becoming and she's like great let me take it you can't have this
1: you can't have this (laughs) like literally takes back his change Uh, i think it's uh, a bond forged with you know ahsoka a jedi for the purposes of this i know the there are lots of discussion about her line in rebels of i am no jedi but that episode's called the jedi yeah that's the discussion uh in theory enemies of the mandalorians right yeah. uh but he made a bond with her and i think the spear is also a a symbol of that
2: right yeah absolutely
1: yeah I, I think this uh this this uh what you're picking out and all the imagery of things being broken down and reforged is is really great and spot on and yeah what's happening to the the spear and what's happening to the ship is really got some great rhythm to what's happening to din and what's happening to, to Boba Fett and what he's trying to pass on to other people, <laughs> this ability to change.
2: Yeah, and I lo- and I lo- yeah, I love that too. Like, did you go make a new friend? No, no, I'm going to
1: break that bond. <laughs> <laughs> is this a friendship bracelet? Uh, well, those are not allowed. <laughs> Although uh, I think that's what's being forged uh, for Grogu. Yes, uh, we can is. talk about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. W- what are some other thoughts that you have on, on that big picture idea?
2: Um, I just, uh, going go, with the, the whole stuff of the armor too, just to see you, it starts getting into the lore. What we'll, we'll try to separate that out as best we can. But I, there was that line of, of her saying only those that walked the way, uh, survives is what she's talking about, talking about the bigger picture. And I just take it as, but if you only stayed with, 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 Stay the same. If you only stay the same, if you only stay the same, that's how we survived. That's how we survived. And there's some, maybe some literal truth in that because they're on a moon and not on the main planet. I get that. Um, but I just, to see him running up against that and, 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 the building up uh, versus destroying. and We talk about light side versus dark side and, and how that manifests in so many different ways in Star Wars. I'm not saying the armor is a Sith. I'm not saying of that. But just to see the energy around it, in my perspective of the armor, and I think yours as well, Joseph, it just changed over the years. Was still a cool character. I love Emily Swallow. I love the design. But this episode, was it, was, it was like I was creeped out in a way. Like he, I just wanted him to run away. <laughs> Get away from there. Get away from no, I,
1: I think that's the, for my money, that's the story being told. And I don't think in Star Wars, it's very rare that that somebody's just a bad person. You know, like I think some yes. trauma happened to Palpatine and he had some choices to make a better choice and he didn't take them. But other than that, a lot of Star Wars is about uh people and the choices they make and what they tell themselves about the choices. And yeah, I think the armor is a fascinating character who has lots of great things, has, you know... um the the power of tradition and and believes in uh unity and in protecting family unless they want to duel one another then (laughs) all bets are off and that's a part of the philosophy that you know hasn't worked but yeah there's this image of her of not only is it this the sort of rigidity this is the way uh it's a dogma that cannot be questioned or adapted to maybe you can atone with a quest (laughs) as far as they go um but yeah, she's, she's. we'll talk about this more in the, the canon and the lore section, but yeah, she's actively pushing back against the leadership of uh, both mm-hmm. Bo-Katan and Satine Kreeze, where they said, hey, this constant conflict between Mandalorians and this perspective that uh, the only strength is combat and violence mm-hmm. is uh, destroying us. So we have to try a new way. And everything that the armor is standing for is no opposite. Uh, mm-hmm. Strength is strength. It's It's armor, it's tradition, it's uh, fighting back, it's dueling. And where does that lead them? Hiding in various basements throughout the galaxy. You know, there is a real thing about fear of the contrast between this is the way, hide in a basement, I will send you out on a mission or two, Mm -hmm. versus pelly going take it out for a ride and him zipping through the stars you know Mm -hmm. yeah when she's
2: talking again i know we keep saying we're teasing the lore talk but but the the meaning behind it the why of some of this lore talk is so powerful just her you you touched on it joseph But just like her talking so bad about house crease you said subtweet that's beautiful i love that modern description of it but (laughs) what is she saying she goes hey they lost the way and she's just going, see, they tried to change, see, see, it cost them, it cost us all. Don't change, don't have a different point of view. Traditions are great. I'm all for traditions too. I'm a baseball fan. You know what superstitious traditions I have. Like <laughs> baseball. I get it, but like to have her sitting there just kind of be like pointing at a at a at a PowerPoint, going, see, they tried to change. We all died, right? Not good, not good. Don't change, stick here, stick here. And you're so right. Then the, then the flip side, yeah, I don't know go fly data jawa try something new
1: <laughs> data jawa why not yeah and also just like for me that like uh i think traditions are absolutely great then but they also have to be questioned and go why do we still do this should that tradition mm-hmm. evolve so that we can have the 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 beauty and the connection of the past but also reflect that we're changing and evolving and that's natural and it feels like that's what she isn't willing to do um i don't think she's accurately assessing why the the Mandalorians fell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that uh, this picture of that they have that great back and forth about uh, well she's saying well the Jedi don't allow attachment and and mm. Din saying well isn't that our whole thing It's like yes unity absolutely protecting one another also there are only three of us uh, left and I highly encourage the two of you to fight and maybe kill one another like that to me there's a little bit of that philosophy that like okay that that's great to have these traditions of unity but if you also have this tradition of everything is a a zero-sum win-lose duel to the death um that's that's a dangerous form of unity
2: i I, yeah i need a t-shirt to finally just so i can say it every week but light side builds dark side destroys and, and it shows up in so many different ways
1: yeah yeah i think for me one of the other the sub themes that are kind of on this topic of the the contrast between the armor is i felt like there was a kind of a sub theme of just joy and whimsy right um the, the fact yeah. that, uh, and connection maybe, but but in particular, just those images of uh the idea that Din wants to make something for Grogu, and it ends up being uh, wrapped in a nice little cloth that's in the shape of his head. And, you know, that little encounter with the Rodian tyke mm-hmm. that that makes him, you know, I think Miss Grogu, I think he's staring at that droid port going, Grogu would fit in there real well, you know? <laughs> There's so much going on. And then, uh, you know, I feel like this uh starship that goes fast, right? Um mm. th- we've been talking about hot rods in Star Wars so much lately because of the controversy about the uh, space Vespas, but I felt like spending some time with it. This is so explicitly a hot rod of, right? Like it's got the exposed <laughs> engine on the top, right? It's stripped yeah. down so it can go faster. It's, it's and I feel a deleted scene from American Graffiti's but this was Right, And I feel like sometimes it can just be like, oh yeah, no, chases, fast things, hot rods, that's a part of Star Wars. Yep. This episode felt like it was spending some time going, but why hot rods? Mm-hmm. What did they represent in the real world? What do they still represent? and Many things, but one of the things is this idea of freedom. This idea to strip it down to see mm-hmm. how fast you can go, right? And the fact that we get to see that not only through Din allowing himself that fun, but to then see it through the eyes of that little uh, Rhodian type, going, ah, oh, that'd be great. And then, he, and then he's going, he's having so much fun. He gets pulled over by the cops. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which we'll also talk about. But I just feel like it's um, it got into kind of the why of hot rods of, of saying, yeah. hey, you know, let's ignore some of the red tape. Let's ignore some of the scolding about this is exactly the way to enjoy yourself, and let's have some fun.
2: Yeah, no, it's there's, there's fun. There's this is journey in, in, in building it, right? I, I am not one of uh, those uh, car guys appreciate it like like uh, like nothing else. I love going to a car show and seeing classic cars, but what is that? It, it, it's a connection. It's a building. It's handmade. How many times did Pelly say that about the N1, right? It's yeah. kind of one of the thoughts of one of those old, uh, older cars, or when you rebuild it, you, you buy it at a, at a junk lot and rebuild it yourself. There's a powerful uh, connection to it. And it is accomplishment in that, uh, in that growth and in that rebuilding. And I absolutely think it's on display, because i had that moment there's a moment where that that the sequence is going long right and mm-hmm. and it kind of dawned on me it's like that this is really going long and mind you i love the rebuilding of ig11 the, Qu- the quill speech is one of my favorite things in star wars the long kind of sequence of even uh, the rancor and boba fett of just we're really taking our time so i had a moment i was like this is going long then i paused i was like ken ask yourself why is it going long <laughs> lessons at one in the morning when you're watching disney plus like why is it going long and, and i agree with you and again so much joy
1: the handmade the learning i think it does it does demonstrate some growth from din this is not the first time where where a kindly figure who's trying to teach him something says yeah roll up your your van braces and help me right this is very reminiscent of quill going yeah i can put it back together but you should help right yeah (laughs) uh i also feel like within that that uh long rebuilding sequence that had you know some comedy had some fun had that great message that i think you picked out about rebuilding i also felt like it had a bunch of information that is really important to the overall boba fett story right and uh, this idea to me was kind of this reminder that the people of tatooine matter a lot of it sounded like fun and jokes but that was what was at its heart right that moment with pelly really kind of describing who she is as a person, that she's not just a device for comedy. She's a person. She's dated. Uh, she's never been off world. She's a local gal, but mm-hmm. she still had a great life. It's just really uh, reminding us to value her as a person, as a a person of Tatooine in particular. Mm-hmm. The Jawa dating stuff, uh, it was fun and, and funny, uh, but it was also like a little bit more of uh, treating them with respect, right? And saying, they're not just scavengers to be shooed away. They go and uh, get that uh, part for Din, and he calls them gutsy little fellas. That's, like, yeah. really raising the value of saying, like, they matter, too. They're not just, like, background annoyances, right? Yeah. And then also in this, working in the talk of the the Pike's Terror, right, mm-hmm. of uh, Pelly saying, ever since they've been moving Spice through the system, everything's gone to hell. Everyone's afraid of them, and law enforcement won't get near them. That's important stuff to the story that we're watching to remind us that Boba Fett's gone on a journey where like there have been people here since the oceans dried and it's their planet. Uh, And even the people in town in Mos Vespa, even though those are settlers who only came here, you know, haven't been here as long as the Tuskens, but they matter. Those kids who don't have work on their space Vespas matter. Peli matters. The Jawas matter. The Pit droids matter. Everybody matters, and that's what Boba Fett is going to be fighting for. It's it's
2: a uh, it's uh, not a throwaway line at all, right? It is it is a uh, continued on Boba. Fett, you know, right, dude. right. So, yeah, w- one of my favorite lines of hers is Tatooine is a garden of many bounties. And <laughs> I uh, said this before; I'll say it again. Uh, I absolutely love when we go visit Tatooine, and I love learning more about it because to me, it represents every st- start of a journey. It represents every small town or, or a corner where you just kind of don't feel connected to the bigger picture, and, and you want to find yourself there and, and it's big and it's got so many stories to tell and it, and it feels like home because it's star wars in a lot of ways uh, for star wars fans right it's it's home it's where we where we all began kind of um that's whether you're in phantom menace or new hope uh, we spent a lot of time there and for her to say tatooine is a guardian garden of many bounties uh was a good uh, topic sentence for me
1: yeah from a new hope to the phantom menace to return of the jedi <laughs> yeah. it is a bounty um Last big idea for me that I thought was really interesting, Ken, was just kind of this idea of uh, these hunters who are on personal missions now, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the whole – one of the large points of this show, I think, the Book of Boba Fett, is that Boba Fett doesn't want to be a hunter anymore. He doesn't want to be a hired gun. He wants to choose his battles. He wants to take control, right? Um and I think Din is going through something similar. Of he's not just going back to hunting. Because I was really curious at the top, like is, he's got the the tracker, he's got the puck. Is he just back to hunting? Like, mm-hmm. no, he's doing his normal Din thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where he can't get directions without a quest. You know, it's it's funny, but it's that's his thing, right? But we realize he's not hunting. He's not being a bounty hunter. He's looking for his people, right? Yeah, yeah. And he goes through kind of a, a similar thing. With Boba Fett, everybody keeps trying to, in different ways, bounce Boba Fett back down to a hunter, right? Uh, the mayor tries to give him money. Uh, the the watermonger, Lortha Peel, tries to kind of manipulate him into just getting rid of those kids for him like a mm-hmm. bounty hunter. Uh, and there, Ishi Tib, the gangster at the beginning, kind of tries to keep him in the hunter box too. Of Like, sit down, have dinner. We have other jobs for you. Yeah. Uh, but Din is on a personal mission to find his people. And then once that is not going the way he wants, he's... Uh, back on this mission to like, I want to go connect with with Grogu and make sure that he's okay. And by the end of uh, this adventure, when Fennec approaches him and offers him money to help Boba Fett, uh, there's this great moment where he says, uh, tell him it's on the house. Everything we've seen with, with Din Djarin, his life has been extremely transactional. He still can't (laughs) get just basic uh, directions uh, to where elevators are without killing five guys for somebody else. (laughs) Everything's a quest. He can't get out of the bed without a quest, right? Mm. His whole life has been transactional. And then when Fennec offers him a transaction, he's like, no, it's on the house. This is personal. I will do it out of choice and friendship. Mm. and that journey is really mirroring what's going on with Boba Fett.
2: Absolutely. And I love the, the, the use of, uh, of uh, Republic or new Republic credits all the way through this. Like even in the beginning, I have no right to that.
1: Take that money. Yeah. Yeah. You oh, money. that's Do such it. a great scene. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just,
2: it's not mine. I'm not here for it. Yeah. You're so right to point it out. And I think that connects a little bit, the, or I put this as a, I guess you could say a sub theme or it's a, uh, a theme we're going to see explore more, but it's a, it's a big star Wars theme of, I, I just jokingly said honor begets honor, but but uh, there's this that that moment is with the Nikto crew with the with the butchers. Versus do me the honor of letting me pass. Give me this honor. I'll give you the honor of those credits that aren't mine. That's a smaller version of it here. But what's at play here with this? We talked about Boba Fett when he comes back. When he came back, uh, we were all like, "Look, Boba Fett is he's Boba Fett, but he's got the, a code, right? We haven't really yeah. seen that before. Well, we did kind of see it ex- explored with Hondo and Aura Singh and all that stuff in the Clone Wars and the Code of Django. To see it now of 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 this exchange of this code, this honor. And how uh, you, you keep seeing it with, with Boba Fett, right, from the, the Gamorreans on up here. I give you mercy, uh, you give me something back. Uh, I ask for this, I give, you, I give you respect, I give you honor, you can give me it back. And just to see it pay off, it's paying off for Boba Fett of, of, of they had that exchange in Mando season two. And I think that's part of the exchange, too, and, and, and puts Mando in a different spot. You're right. It, it ain't no job anymore. It is an honor and a duty and part of my journey forward
1: yeah so like i i think that's a really great connection to boba fett and it's just it's the great part of din's growth that we kind of still don't know what does he want to do who does he want to be because he's on missions he's on quests but it's all personal right now yeah yeah uh how any other thoughts on this specific episode before we talk about how these themes reflect a larger star Wars storytelling
2: I mean, uh, itching for some lore later on, but absolutely, <laughs> let's get into the bigger themes. Bigger
1: yeah, themes. so how do you feel like it, this uh, episode reflected the larger story, morality, perspective of Star Wars? What other themes did it tap into for you?
2: I, I think for the big stuff in Star Wars, I went to one in particular and spent probably more time than I should have going back and watching uh, the dark, trials of the Darksaber this morning. Mm. And uh, again, we'll tie into lore, but I, I just, it, Star Wars does ask that question. and You and I talk about a lot, lot of, uh, you know, how you fight how do you fight why do you fight this one even getting down to why do you wield a weapon and and this mere image kind of seen in sequence with the training of the darksaber and looking at kanan and, and sabine and then looking at the armor and and uh, din here uh it, it's 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 very similar and, and you're right this is one of the things where, where armor is saying some things where you could go yeah, yeah yeah no no she's right she's right and and you see it but just um I loved watching Sabine get, get, get taught. There's so much going on with Sabine and her trauma and facing a lot of that stuff. But everything he, she's being taught by Kanan is to connect to the blade, is to feel it. And, and she says oh, it's heavy and then it gets lighter. So training goes on and he's teaching her defensive moves and he's teaching her uh, a, a different philosophy. And the armor is like, well, you're fighting the blade. You need to fight your opponent. And, and yeah, he's learning some defensive holds as she's striking him with her gear. But it's just the image about it just ties into this larger picture of Star Wars that we talk about. It, it the, the Jedi ask them, themselves these questions. Why are we fighting? How are we fighting? How are we choosing this fight? And the Rebels have to ask themselves this. Uh, how do we fight? Is it like Saw? Are we, are, we, are we going a little bit over the edge? Or are we Norja Bell and not fighting? Like, what are we doing? And how are we fighting? And I just love seeing that uh, at play, as it always is in Star Wars.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm so glad that you had time to rewatch that. I so wanted to because it was as many people responded to of like th- th- there are rhythms here. But I love that you had time to watch it and particularly uh, pick out that yeah, by the armorer's philosophy, uh, she is teaching Din to uh, you that strength is attack, right? And mm-hmm. of course, Kanan is he is coming more and more to peace with his his Jedi ways. Is teaching Sabine defense. That's such a great pull.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I you know I I I love the trial of the dark saber episode. I really do. It's just, you know, when you don't watch something for like a year, you have to go back and and just to, it, it is a it is a poetry it rhymes. <laughs>
1: I've heard that before. Uh it's uh it's uh it's pretty stunning. Yeah, And these are my favorite rhymes in Star Wars where they're like uh off rhymes or slant rhymes where like parts yeah. of the word rhyme but the not not the other part is really great. <laughs> uh in in terms of Star Wars poetry for me, I loved the explicit Examination of attachment, right? I loved that uh, the armorer knows uh, the Jedi in their ancient ways and that they forego all attachment. And I love Din pushing back and saying, well, that is the opposite of our creed. Loyalty and solidarity are the way, which it's hard not to have those, those words ring while... He and Vizlar <laughs> brutalizing one another over who gets the sword, right? Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of these questions of attachment. When is it a weakness and when is it a strength? Which really matches the the uh, campfire conversation between Fennec and Boba last episode, where mm. Fennec is coming at things from a, a more cynical or a realistic point of view of like everybody's got a knife aimed at your back. You got to be on your own and and looking out for yourself and. You know, the, these Tuscans with all their their group unity have made you weak, made you soft, Boba Fett, and he's like, no, no, uh, they made me strong. Connection is strength, you know. Yeah. That argument of when is attachment weakness and when is it strength is is all through uh, this book of Boba Fett show, mm. and I, I, I want to talk for a moment here, Ken, yeah. about what it is that um, that Din is making for Grogu. Because it looked to me like what was being forged is uh, little links for a chain, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which speaks to attachment. The fact that he wants to make something for him. The fact that he's not willing to let go of like, I'm not trying to take him back. I just want to make sure the Jedi's being nice to him and he's not scared. <laughs> yeah. uh, the fact that he is making something for Grogu that is potentially uh, a, an image of attachment, a link of chains. And then just my, my wild spitballing. I think he's making him a necklace and the silver ball is going to be the jewel.
2: Oh, that's beautiful. My initial thought was, is uh, she making him Elven uh, <laughs> chainmail? Like, what? Are we really in Lord of the Rings? No, no, he I really I, wanted
1: ear piercings, didn't you? <laughs> didn't we know that about Grogu?
2: Yeah, uh, no, I hundred percent. That's a great prediction that I am going to put all my chips on at the t- roulette table here with uh, with Lovey and uh, the the codebreaker because uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, especially on second viewing, it, it's uh, clearly uh, more links than uh, in, in that little bag. Nah, it could be, it could be chain mail, but no, I love that. Yeah. And, and, and the connection and then, and then, a, then a chain literally as Fleetwood Mac would say, never break the chain, man, never break the chain.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it makes me feel like, Oh, well he's like, oh, I, there, I, I, I didn't leave him something to remember me by. I'm just going to go see if he's okay and, and give him this. I, I forgot to give him, you know, the, the ball that I rescued for him. And I want him to remember me. Like it feels like he just wants to have that, like, Hey, I'm, I'm here for you kid. If you ever need me, not that he's, you know, totally incapable of letting go.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, Other, other idea here for me is, is always, I really like these Star Wars themes of kind of the organic and flowing versus the rigid and the mechanical. And I thought that tied a lot of this episode together. The fact that, you know, every single thing that didn't said pretty much was wrong, according to the armor and Vizla, Right. And mm-hmm. all of these rules and like, yeah, that's not what the songs of Eon Spass say. <laughs> and then that combined with the, the, new republic red tape right of yeah. title tabs relinquish control you know <laughs> all of that sort of uh, that rigidity is in great contrast with pelly being like i don't know we'll we'll try a different way to do it you know hey this baby's pre-empire she's off the grid and like uh, there, there's so much of a sense of the organic and flowing when he's zipping through beggars oh, canyon man. in this totally you know modded out uh, ship
2: yeah, I'm, uh, the exchange is great. We'll talk about uh, my man, Carson Tev is showing back up again. But even then, he, there—that's he's trying
1: to do a little bit of an honor exchange, right?
2: Uh, let's go. And by the way, your voice is familiar. You want to talk? No? Okay. Well, there he goes. I love that. Story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think Carson's trying to bust him. I think Carson's trying to figure out what's going on in the outer rim. But we yeah. will definitely chat about that. Any other big picture thoughts on that?
2: Uh no no love it I just this episode had so much so many layers going on what made it so uh, so fun and I just love uh, some of the um, the themes kind of helping um, clarify uh, give more information and maybe even reframe some of the stuff you saw before particularly with the armor and and pause like when pause asked just uh did like did you kill him about Moff Gideon it's just like you just see so much of uh, what's at play the larger picture there
1: it really is did you do it the way yeah um. And, yeah, that's such a great conversation, too, because Din is like, well, yeah, I mean, I gave him to a New Republic Tribunal, and they'll probably kill him. Like, isn't that good enough? No. (laughs) Yeah, and the the armor going, we shall see. (laughs) Yeah, we shall see. A little bit of a Snoke quote there. Yes. Uh, So we always like to check in briefly on the chapter title, uh, this one, Return of the Mandalorian. Uh, That is a pretty uh, direct nod to, you know, titles of the past. Sure, some people have heard of the film Return of the Jedi, but beyond that, um, and just announcing this is a Mandalorian episode. Uh, did you get anything more from that title?
2: I mean, yeah, you you could, it's, it's self explanatory, literally just saying, uh, <laughs> when that when the title popped up, I was like, oh, yeah, uh, they're, again, they're going for it. I mean, I, I love tying it to some of the stuff too. I mean, uh, with uh, going into the lore section a little bit, but just uh, her talking about the the the, the myths returning and this idea of the people and, and the Mandalorian themselves uh, scattered about the galaxy, and then to see it now uh, here, uh, uh, a lot of a lot of it on the shoulders of Din, the the current holder of the dark saber. Uh, it, it speaks of what's going on in this episode and, and what might need to happen or could happen later on. To me,
1: oh yeah, I think there are so many lines in this episode that are going to be very significant. Uh, you know, in the next. <laughs> one to two years of our viewing experience yeah i really like the the direct nod to you know Mm -hmm. return of the jedi return of has these great adventure serial pulp roots is a a title Uh, but i also really like that it's mythic right this is about uh him trying to return to a life that doesn't quite fit anymore uh and he you know returns to tatooine where he does fit uh so i i feel like I love focusing on that idea of return. It's not just return to the Mandalorian to your screens, but it's, it's his attempt to return to whatever his new normal is and really struggling to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Was there anything that you disliked or questioned?
2: No, no, I, 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 again, I, I legit, legitimately miss Boba Fett. I just, uh, just love hanging out with him now. <laughs> like I said, I used that example of I, I knew him in high school. We weren't friends. I didn't, I didn't care for him too much, but now I'm getting to know him. Turns out not, not, not a bad guy. I like, like who he is. Uh, I, I know what's going to happen next week. And in, in the big picture, when you sit and watch Mando season one, two, Boba Fett one, Mando three, Boba Fett two, it, it's all going to be this wonderful picture. So, uh, no dislike, no question. Just, uh, I, I did miss him, but, uh, happy to dive into this episode without him.
1: Yeah, same here. I, I, I missed him, but that is a, you know, that's a, a, a momentary thing. That's a thing for, hey, this Tuesday at midnight, I was expecting <laughs> yes. to see Boba Fett. In the grand scheme of things, you know, when you're watching this and you know how this uh, tapestry weaves together, it, it is not a big deal at all. Uh only minor thing for me, and this has happened a couple of times uh, with Pelly, is I, I've come to really like uh, Pelly's comedy and and the performance has always been great. Every once in a while, the music goes a little hard for me in terms of telling me it's comedy. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is just a pedantic comedy taste for me of like, I trust the dialogue and the performers. I don't need the music to go too heavy to let me know it's a comedy.
2: Uh, I, w- I would agree with that there. But uh, yeah. yeah, my journey yeah. with Pelly has been an interesting one and it's in a good spot now.
1: Yeah, and the music's great. Even even the when the music lightens know something light and fun is happening. It's yes. still great music. It's just a a little personal taste thing of mine. Uh, and with that, I think we'll take a quick break, Ken, and we will be back to get into all that canon lore stuff that we keep saying we're going to talk about.
0: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
1: Nice dress.
0: perfectmanny20 at com slash perfectmanny20.
1: And we are back to continue our discussion of the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 5, Return of the Mandalorian. Uh, One of the really exciting things about this episode, Ken, was it had a ton of uh, connections, building blocks, clarifications for canon and lore it connected to uh, multiple animated series of video games all sorts of stuff uh so i want to start with uh the great purge right yeah um this is something that we have talked about uh, on the show uh that the show has talked about and there's even been some like confusion about well is is this something that happened immediately after uh the the old republic became the empire just as it was seizing helping to seize mandalore right Right. uh or is this something that happened later these two different events and i always thought it was kind of a later event and Mm -hmm. i was really happy for this total clarity that this is something that the great purge uh the night of a thousand tears is something that happened in the imperial era post bo katan's appearance and takeover of leadership that we see in rebels Mm -hmm. uh so there's that that big idea of When it is, what it is, but then the thrill of physically seeing it. uh, TIE bombers, uh, Mm. KX security droids, probe droids, utter horror and devastation. Mm. What were your thoughts on The Great Purge? Other than
2: I, sir, I suddenly wanted to watch Terminator 2. Uh, Loved it. Uh, No, no, to get the answers and get it clear, just have it just framed in this way, whether or not it's all the the facts are on the table. Uh, At this point, I don't trust the armor a lot, but, uh, you know, hey, uh, you know, House House, uh, Kreeze did this. Uh, Bo-Katan got this uh, Darksaber and and didn't really earn it. And because of that, see, look what happens in the Empire. The interlopers uh, got in between us all there. And and to see that it's recent, to see that it is... uh, Uh, And then already songs have been written about it, right? I guess. Uh, um, um, Songs of
1: decades recent? Yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah, Songs of days last week. Um, Days of future (laughs) past. Uh, Yeah, no, I absolutely love love seeing it. Again, talking about just connecting to Rebels and Clone Wars. It just really felt like I was watching uh, a continuation of those series and getting answers from even times back then.
1: Yeah, and it's just such a a great, uh, contrast of, uh, I haven't watched those rebels episodes in a while, but kind of ending with uh, Bo-Katan holding, holding the blade up. Right. And oh. uh, that willingness to fight back and that didn't go well. Um, mm-hmm. and, and knowing that there's still so much story within that uh, to be told. Oh, okay. And then for me also just the thrill of like, uh yeah, we've seen Thai bombers bomb in various things, but like that is Thai bombers bombing mm. to 11 and it is devastating I, I, there's there's so much talk always about, you know, just the overwhelming uh, force of the Empire, right? right? Just the sheer numbers, the volume of them. And we see that in lots of different ways. But time that we see that, I love it. To, so to just see all those bombers bombing away was brutal and cool. <laughs>
2: yeah yeah right yeah it's always that weird thing that's why i still have that imperial hat where like they got the cool toys i don't like what they do with them but they do have cool toys uh yeah then see and it it was a great use of kind of a a memory a flashback whatever you want to call it i I just uh uh loved it and and reminded me of when we first learned of uh, a lot of the stuff about the the dark saber in that trials of the dark saber rebels episode where where, uh fen Rao is talking about it and you kind of go to that animation just a good use of it there and, and it weaved in and out nicely into the story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, breaking up some of the, all this great stuff that was uh, talked about uh, between the armor and din. Uh, so this sect, this group, uh, she, she calls it a sect. So I, I'm not using a bad word there. <laughs> she said, had our sect not been cloistered on the moon of Concordia, we would have not survived the great purge. Mm-hmm. So the children of the watch sect, uh, I think their exact relationship with the Death Watch—if it's a new name, if it's a splinter group—exactly, uh, I don't think that's entirely clarified. Right. Uh, but what I really thought was fascinating and wanted to ask your opinion about Ken is the armor in her her various. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Bo-Katan and her her blaming mm-hmm. Bo-Katan for everything. Uh, but she says a specific line that I think relates to the children of the Watch Sect. Uh, she says, "Those born." of Mandalore straight away from the path. Mm -hmm. And there has been this long history of the Mandalorians in canon, in legend going, uh, legends going back and forth between, is it a, you know, a race? Are you, are you born there? Is this genetics or is it a creed? Anyone can be adopted. And it's the, the story has kind of gone back and forth. And now this whole Mandoverse, I think has been an effort to say, well, that's an actual conflict in the galaxy is mm. different Mandalorians see it different ways. And I felt like what you was straight up saying is those idiots who were born Mandalorian screwed yeah. everything up. And we, the people who come from wherever the hell we want and adopt it because yeah. we prove ourselves, we're the ones who know the true way.
2: Yeah, there was a real a lot of venom in some of the way she was describing it. Uh, you know, this armor bleeds in this prophecy that if you win it the right way, you rule and you get it the wrong way. No, you know, not through combat or violence, uh, but through other means. It, it, you know, basically to say if you don't take if you don't take the power, uh, you bring down the curse on the people. Love that perspective in the sense of just love getting her point of view on it there. And, and even the line, sadly, it only exists in Legends, which is talking about the Mythosaur prophecy. But I just love that line. It's almost like she's looking to camera. Sadly, it only exists in Legends. <laughs> but let's try to marry it. Let's take these two things and have fun with it. I think that's a good use of some of the EU and Legend stuff that's out there and say, so, yeah, oh, the fans fighting about it. Yeah, it's because everyone's fighting here. Like you said, Joseph, it's an in-world discussion. And then she spits out that phrase of just – Bo-Katan laid claim to Mandalore uh, – rule Mandalore based solely on blood uh, and the sword you profess. It was gifted to her, not by Creed. I just love the, the dueling uh, ideologies there yeah
1: yeah i think it's just it's one of those things that that i think sometimes the contrasts are where the story is and uh, for me it's just really important to sift through sort of canon right mm-hmm. if you suddenly said yeah uh, spice is is not made on kessel it's made on dantooine like well that's just kind of like a, a fussy detail and like well why change that right mm-hmm. uh but things like do you wear your helmet or not does does bo-katan believe that you accept the darksaber uh even if it was not won through combat, like those conflicts are where stories come from. Like um, I made a joke on Twitter of like, I think when we look at our own lives, we can kind of see the beauty of that, of, you know, imagine aliens watching my life and thinking it's a story and going, well, that guy said that he was going to be real healthy uh, in the month of January. And he ate like seven frozen pizzas and he's skipped exercising like 14 days of the month. Like this story (laughs) makes no sense. Like, no, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. that's a conflict it's tragedy in my own life that i i need to work on but i i just love these these uh mm. they're not canon inconsistencies they're conflicts of who we should be and how should we be and what are different people's opinions of how should we be
2: yeah one of my favorite things is is just the idea of any story but particularly, particularly in star wars is uh something the character says it's not necessarily fact <laughs> it's Love what
1: that. they believe, yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's a, it's a, you know, just kind of easily checked off fact. And yeah, yeah. you don't want to change. Creed is yeah. a Rodian, right? Yeah, don't want to right. change that. It's you know, yeah, yeah. But what people believe, and I'm just really fascinated to see how big of a discussion that's going to end up being in this Mando verse of uh, birth versus creed. Mm-hmm. And I still think the fact that we spent such a big chunk of time on this might just be leaning into uh, where this big picture story is going. But I feel like there is still room for Boba Fett to th- this whole show. He's been wrestling with the shards of his identity, right, of, uh, of uh, Bounty Hunter and son of Jango Fett and uh, the, the Mandalorian side of it. How does he feel about that? Obviously, Jango appears to have been a Mandalorian by creed. But did Django impart to Boba that that has any meaning or does Boba just not care about that? I'm really fascinated in the fact that we spent some time on that makes me feel like that's still a possibility.
2: Yeah, no, it's a dangling thread for me and all the things going on with Boba Fett and that, it, you know, that it was introduced in, in, in his return in Mandalorian. Right. The, the talk about Django. Remember all the co- conversation and YouTube videos about was Prime Minister Almec right or wrong? You know, uh, I love it. I I do want it to be dealt with, and and if hey, you know, if it becomes this, and again, it's not transactional, but just like, all right, you help me, I'll go back and help you, Boba Fett. And guess what? There's another thing at play going on here too. Do you want in on this uh, this Mandalorian thing?
1: Yeah, and I the the weight of uh, the armor is saying, well, then you are no longer yeah Mandalore, right? Uh, and the idea that that people like. Boba and Din could come together and even partner with Bo-Katan and go yeah, we're going to adopt a wider view of what it means to be Mandalorian. We are not going to be dogmatic either way, that it's just birth or just creed. Mm.
2: Yeah. Mm. Love that.
1: Yeah. So uh, you you touched on some of this great stuff with Bo-Katan and the Darksaber, uh, but I just, I love that this is the story that it was gifted to her, right, by Sabine, right? Yeah. Uh, And uh, now when we catch up with her again in Mandalorian, she really wants to win it back through through combat, which suggests that she feels I felt like suggested in the in the previous season that she feels like that might be part of the reason that yeah. her leadership failed. So, you know, how much is Bo-Katan in absolute agreement yeah. <laughs> with the, the armor? Uh, I think you said part of this line, but I wanted to, to examine it again. Uh, the armor says if however it is not won in combat and falls into the hands of the undeserving it will be a curse onto the nation Mandalore will be laid to waste and its people scattered to the four winds hmm. so uh, it, it's just fascinating that Bocatan might agree with the armors argument that is this ancient prophecy is true there are no other reasons that maybe this yeah. massive empire managed <laughs> to stomp on us it's just that <laughs> y- you do you uh, didn't check these boxes and therefore this fate befell us. It's so much about fate and curses and ancient prophecies and not about individuals and choices.
2: Yeah, would you, yeah it could become almost a self-fulfilling prophecy here. Yeah, if you, if you, if you uh, and I didn't go back and watch this moment, but it's like Bo-Katan wasn't even like, I mean, gifted is the correct term, but also I would say it was relinquished, right? It was just like, yeah, I earned it. Here, hot potato, you take it. And, you know, at the time, it's a, it's a great inspirational moment. Uh, you know, I almost hate spoiling it for people who have watched Rebels, but it's, it's a wonderful moment in the show and all the houses uh, kneeling before and showing their support for Bo-Katan. But yeah, and then this goes and happens. So it's like, I guess that's right then. I guess I was wrong to do this. And, and now to have it connect to that moment uh, at the end of Mando 2, just like, nope,
1: nope, 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 nope,
2: can't do that. Yeah, I, I'd, I can't wait to get a little bit more of her perspective and what actually happened.
1: Yeah, yeah, and how much of this is falling into self fulfilling prophecy, mm. and you know, yeah, and everybody's uh, take and opinion on that is going to be yeah. really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: and sorry to dive in, but it's like I love I love your use of like uh, how a lot of that could could just remove choice. It, it, it could it could hamper your view on responsibility, but even just more about choice and what to do and. And, uh, and that's, that's a dangerous thing. And, you know, and I'm rooting for Bo-Katan, I'm rooting for, for house creeds to rise again. So, uh, I wanted to learn it. I want to, I want to see a little more of that.
1: Yeah. It ties in so great to like unexamined tradition of like, okay, well that, that ancient wisdom might be correct, but let's take a moment to ask why, why? <laughs> and make sure before we, you know, build everything on it. Um. Also, wanted to point out this line. We've already kind of talked about it a little bit, but uh, the armor says, "Bokatan Christ was born of a mighty house, but they lost sight of the way her rule ended in tragedy." So I thought that was great. uh, uh that's the satine subtweet to me because she's born of a mighty house. Mm-hmm. Her sister was ruler, uh, but they, both of them, lost sight of the way and. You know, this is really, a, it goes to all these great Clone Wars episodes where we learn there's a massive Mandalorian civil war, and it's where Obi-Wan met Satine, and then Satine is trying to rule in this different way, and then the Death Watch, which is, it has some relationship to the children of the Watch, yeah. uh, will not accept it. It's the warrior ways. It's it's all about uh, strength. Y- if you want something, you take it. That is uh, what uh, Pre Vizsla spouts, right? Yeah. So by her saying this, she is really aligning herself with yeah uh, working together <laughs> peace uh dearming Th- that they lost sight of the way, both of the creed sisters
2: yeah I'm telling you it was it was a fun sequence after two years of of, of talking about a lot of this and particularly talking about the armor you and I've talked on air and off about this uh you know wonderful character wonderful design, but also just what's going on there and as more unfolds I, I had a chill some 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 nerd chills but also some scared chills some frightened chills some creeped out chills uh I'll just say that of listening to her because you're you're like whoa whoa no I was there because I was watching via a tv show I saw (laughs) what Satine was trying to do I saw the change that Bo-Katan went through and even you Paz Vizsla your old family member pre-Vizsla not a good dude not a good dude so to see it all and to see it just someone kind of Translate all that into, uh, yeah, House Cree's uh, gone, done, messed up. I was like, oh, God, it was some of my favorite stuff in this episode
1: because it was chilling to watch. Yeah, you, you do want to go. Hey, hey, Paz, want to see some home video about what happened to your guy Previsla? Yeah. <laughs> uh, where did he end up? Uh, what is the chain of ownership of the dark saber?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like a, it's, it's the armor. It's like, are you being willfully ignorant about it? Are you are you just taking it to manipulate uh, and and uh, use for your own power? Again, you're taking away a weapon because I thought in my mind I'm like, you don't want that to stab you. So take it away from this guy Uh yeah. get your tradition. So
1: it's like it's she's she's
2: a very interesting character in the short time uh, we get to spend with her.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think she's just a great character. I, I love her. Uh, uh, I love that when we meet her in the first season, she seems like this uh, makes total sense that the armor is the height of uh, huh. this civilization that is that is based on this tradition of armor and weapons and the the forging yourself into something strong. But she seems like this extremely protective uh, uh you know figure of like I'm keeping yeah. everybody safe and she seems very honorable, but then it tips into like are you keeping people safe in, in a way that is about fear, a fear of change, a fear of exposure? There's so much fear and control, and control coming from fear going on with her.
2: Yeah, yeah. Again, I your 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 uh, sitcom you've just pitched, my two moms is just uh, it's wonderful <laughs> though. It's wonderful, man, because it's just. To see the to see the the light in the dark here play out in a and not in a literal way no no Jedi and Sith involved here but just to see it play out over and over again in this episode
1: mm-hmm. yeah well let, let's uh, talk about the literal dark with the uh, dark saber training you talked about mm-hmm. uh, going back to rewatch uh, trials of uh, the dark saber you talked about the great big ideas but I just want to ask you about like the the fun practical canon do you like the idea that the Like that all lightsabers, all kyber crystals function better with a a bond and an understanding with their user, but that there's something about the dark saber that is different, that the dark saber really requires more connection and understanding uh, to allow itself to be uh, wielded.
2: Yeah, because this this is a, uh, it's a tool of uh, a symbol of leadership and a tool of leadership, right? And perhaps a weapon of leadership. Uh, so there's a lot of weight to it There should be uh, a, a Literal, figurative, and otherwise uh, and, and Sabine saying, whoa, it's heavier than I thought I, I you know, it's a great little detail In that, that episode, and I hadn't seen it in a while But to watch it again and just to see that play out Here this time around with even Paz Just like, I can't get it up <laughs> Like, I love that moment Yeah, so the weapon should be It's it's a total, it's design It's creation, and it being a singular blade It's it's It, it is a little bit different It's not quite a lightsaber you know,
1: yeah, that's the Kyber that called to You know, mm-hmm. is that's that's really fascinating, and that's the way he constructed it, perhaps with uh, Professor Yang's help.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, I'd be so curious to see that. Yeah, and even Kanan, going back to that Rebels episode, respected strength, and and you have to respect, uh, you know, a lightsaber's strength, and and uh, be wary of what that lightsaber could do. Again, going back to Din, just chopping everyone in half. <laughs> in the in the kitchen there um so yeah it really worked for me
1: yeah and i can imagine like moff gideon seemed to be able to wield it uh Uh decently it'd be really fun to go watch uh, rewatch those uh episodes as well and imagine some long moff gideon monologue about i have studied exactly how to wield the dark saber
2: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: yeah uh, another fun, uh, little detail here, uh, that I, I'd been seeing people talk about more. So I as I online, so I was a little bit more, uh, watching for it, uh, that the armor is speaking, uh, the language of Mandoa during training, uh, mm-hmm. Solistad N, uh, which is, uh, numbers I looked up. So I would imagine numbers for various combat positions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think, uh, many listeners know a ton more than I do about this language, but it's a legends language that came from lots of different sources. Um, but primarily, uh, kind of put down on paper by Karen Travis for, I believe, uh, from Wikipedia, the Republic Commando books. Again, I know uh, some listeners probably uh, have this very close to their heart, but uh, it's really cool to see another uh, thing that's uh, important to people from EU and legends uh, be brought into modern canon.
2: Yeah, I love that. After this episode, I texted our friend uh, Alex Damon at Star Wars Explained, who we mentioned so much because he does great work, and I said, the episode ends, Alex turns to Molly and says, Molly, we've got some splaining to do. (laughs) <laughs> There's so much stuff in these episodes and I love catching up even the things I missed. And even you yeah, had the numbers again, I, I sound like a broken record. Kanan's calling out uh, position numbers with Sabine too. And just, so it's this wonderful, just connected and also at the same time mirror
1: image scene. Yeah, yeah, it, it's really great how connected it is, and we've obviously mentioned the Visla family tree. Tarvisla is the one who made the blade initially. pre Vizla is a, a character who is leading a death watch and aligns with Maul and and ends up not great. And uh, I'm I was really happy that you know, again having a lot of faith in payoffs, right? Of like ah, oh, the the heavy infantry guy is a Visla. We discovered at some point, you know, uh, uh, during the first season. And then the weight of knowing that and having it pay off the second that helmeted face looks at the Darksaber and you just go, oh, no, yeah. that was not a fun little nod. That has great story meaning. Uh, uh,
2: Grace uh, yelled out from our couch uh, on that look. I don't trust him. You
1: shouldn't. shouldn't. honey. You shouldn't. I can't see his face, but I don't trust him. Like, that's mine. That sword is mine. Uh,
2: there's a a, a great uh, uh, what is uh is it uh, Tate Fletcher? Is that is that who's in the? Uh, I'm gonna look that up. Uh, yeah, Tate Fletcher is his name, and uh, he um he he plays that. I love that moment, Joseph, where he where where like the 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 dark saber not only he picks it up but when it like passes, there's just like he does like a head like like he's swallowing like the bile in his throat. Like <laughs> this guy's got it. Oh, I loved it, man.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, It it is really this possessive energy of, I can't believe he's touching what's mine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that also pays off the fight that they've had previously, disagreeing about the way things should go, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, so we talked a lot about that first half of the episode, which was just rich with connections. Uh, then, you know, a few connections on old Tatooine. Uh, the <laughs> biggest one, of course, being the N one starfighter. But now it's a hot rod, yeah. handmade for the Royal Guard and commissioned by the Queen of Naboo. Hello, friends and fans <laughs> of the Phantom Menace. Also, a little bit of sequel love when it's described as faster than a father. Yes. So, uh, what what did uh, what did the N one mean? for you how are you impacted by that meantime getting
2: a cool lego set very soon is what i <laughs> it's even with those uh, the silver with the little well-placed yellow racing uh, marks there um loved it look man i i can go on and on about this to the point of annoyance i get it but star wars keeps doing this man it, it did it uh with me with pelly a character i didn't love right away uh that chapter five season one Mando, i didn't love right away and, and star wars if you stick with it and and the, and the and you find ways to connect with Star Wars, uh, things that you you. It's not just nostalgia, man. It's not just uh, hey, Starfighter. It's what it means and what it You know, to be clear, there's a lot of nostalgia in it. I want to, I want that to be clear. But like, the Star Wars story starts to 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 just uh, you start to connect with it in so many ways and. It just, it legitimized, legitimized a word I can ne- never really say. Uh, <laughs> uh, that generation. Uh, I'm so thankful for the prequel generation and to see that all just kind of rewarded in this wonderful little moment. And to have Doug Chang involved with this show, by the way, mm. and have them be like, hey, uh, hey, Doug, remember some of those things? I- I'm on it. I got it. Starfighter, Beggar's Cannon, Canyon. Uh, 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 you know, even that ramp that Anakin goes up, we were doing it. We're doing it. And it was just beautiful. Loved all of it. It was really rewarding.
1: Yeah, I think for me, like, I've always loved the N1 Starfighter. Even, you know, when Phantom Menace came out and I loved parts and I struggled with others, the N1 was always like, but that was oh, yeah. damn cool, right? So there's, it's just cool. Uh, so it's great to see that. But also, I love that Star Wars is a generational story. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a legitimate conversation that we're having about In general, in pop culture, do we have uh, too much nostalgia? Are we leaving enough room for new things and new ideas? I think that's a really legitimate concern and discussion. And it's always that discussion when applied to Star Wars is always more complex for me because I think that's one of the powers of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Starting in the first film, when Obi-Wan's got that great line and that great trill of music of, that's a name I've not heard in a long time, in the sense of history and being connected through time, in the fact that that's a part of the story in the galaxy. And then it's a part of the story that gets reflected because of our journeys, Mm -hmm. because, you know, kids can remember like that. And one, you know, Lego that they had back then, and now they're going to get this hot rod one. And there's a generational story going on in their living room, Mm -hmm. but that it also matches the in-universe story. The fact that this thing that I first saw in 1999, we're now, you know, years and decades later in the story, and Pelimoto's talking about it like, you know, do you want to rehab this 1966 Mustang? Yeah. It just makes it like cool and interesting because it has that sense of time.
2: It does. Yeah. What well, would be about 40 years or so from that one there. And even just uh, the reference it. I guarantee you, I, I guarantee you there's a lot of people out there who watch this episode who are Star Wars fans who maybe ah, I, don't, I had a prequels. No, prequels. No, I just don't. I don't connect with the prequels. Who I, I bet are watching Phantom Menace today. Right, because they need to. Because man, that just made me feel. And 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 it, and it's uh, you know, there's always larger discussions around the prequels. I get it. And we have them here too. But I, I, it, it's magic, man. It's wizard, and you just gotta get in the ship and fly around.
1: It is wizard, and spinning is a good trick. Uh, did you feel like that was on purpose that uh, yeah. that Din did some spinning in the N one?
2: I think yeah, absolutely. I'll t- I'll t- I'll t- there's so much. Uh, it was wonderfully shot, by the way. Yeah, uh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And then, of course, it was just really cool to see, uh, you know, the Phantom Menace and A New Hope, uh, their connection to Beggar's Canyon, to see that uh, that come back and to see the the images directly from the Phantom Menace. And then also to really connect it to those lines from A New Hope that we get to see a, a womp rat in Beggar's Canyon that could be bullseye. And is, uh, I love the jump of fear that the womp rat has, like he's like, oh. Am I getting bullseyed? I'm it, out of here.
2: It's probably it's probably that Luke and Biggs you know,
1: characters again. Man, they <laughs> took my family out. I'm out of here. <laughs> they took my family out. Did the Beggars Canyon? Was that was that too much for you, or did you enjoy
2: it? No, no, I, no. I'm I'm gonna watch it again over enchiladas that I made last night today. When we're done recording, I loved that sequence. I love the yeah. energy, faster, more intense,
1: the fun, the whimsy. I loved everything about it. Yeah. Intentional or not, it tips over into the meta where it's saying like, hey, you know what? This is fun. Don't don't worry about if it is it too nostalgic. Is it too this or too that? Like zip down Beggar's Canyon in a cool ship from the Phantom Menace. Have some fun.
2: <laughs> Look, man, to anyone out there getting ready to write an article for your uh, for your outlet. Keep keep your think pieces on this one for another thing. Use, the, use those think pieces wisely. This ain't it, man. This ain't it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, I, I, like I said, I think it's a really valuable and needed conversation about nostalgia. But from mm-hmm. my two cents, Star Wars has always planted its flag of nostalgia is one of the things we're about. Um, yeah, and Connected Galaxy is one of the things that Star Wars is about. Totally cool if you don't like it, but uh, that it's always going to be a bumpy ride with Star Wars because I think it's always going to be a part of Star Wars.
2: Yeah, no, again, look, this is a deeper, I, I ain't talking about Ghostbusters 4, I ain't talking about Matrix 4, I talking about Star Wars, and, and nostalgia is us, it is, pop culture is our culture, it is, it's what we grew up with, it's what made us, so to go back and analyze it, and to grow with it, and literally go, it's a new version of something in the past, it's been, almost every episode of Book of Boba Fett has had that, here's something from your past that made you happy, and we're going to make you look at it in a different way, that's the value of it to me in Star Wars.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and especially in a show that is all about change and all about can you take the past and adapt to the new, you know. I don't feel like the message of the show is sit in the past always. Everything we're seeing is, yeah, mm-hmm. adapted and changed and evolving.
2: Mm-mm. Yeah,
1: anyways. uh, Yeah, exactly. So we got off on a little sub-conversation that I bet we'll have more of because uh, gonna- it's a big it's a big conversation in our culture right now and a big conversation about Star Wars. I'm going to climb off uh, the little so-
2: box I was on.
1: <laughs> i i think we got matching soap boxes on this one so <laughs> i think we're okay uh going on to just uh, some of the other uh, smaller details uh that was the actor max floyd jones is lieutenant reed the uh, in yes. the x-wing who was the stand-in for luke in mando chapter 16 which was uh, i like the commitment to giving people fun uh roles as rebels in particular yeah, yeah. we are not well, rebels, new Republic officers. New Excuse, me. Me.
2: Excuse you, sir. The uh, Tedder read. I love that. I, I ended up because I, uh, when, when he pops on the screen, I'm so used to seeing, like, what director is that? And I, <laughs> I lean forward and, I, uh, and, and uh, Grace is like, who is that? I go, it's so familiar. I don't know. And then afterwards, saw, I was like, "Oh yeah, it's it's Luke, it's Luke, it's Luke guy."
1: <laughs> it's not Luke or uh, L U U K E, Luke, yeah, Luke, yeah. <laughs> Luke standing. And then, of course, uh, fan favorite around these parts and many others, uh, Carson Teva. What did you kind of? Uh, he he referred to uh, some events that we saw in Mandalorian season two. That ship showed up on Transponder Log back on Navarro mm. in an incident involving Imperial remnants. He has previously uh, uh, said when he was a uh, deputizing uh uh cara dune that he was concerned about all this activity that was going on in the outer rim guy continues to seem like stretched thin like (laughs) uh, there are a handful of us patrolling these areas and and i think some of my young cohorts want to just kind of give the tickets for breaking minor violations uh but (laughs) i want to piece together the big picture How, how did you feel about that what did you think was the significance that it was in this episode
2: Look, man, first of all, Paul Sun Young Lee, just every time that guy shows up, I'm so happy that he's in Star Wars. He's someone who loves it. And and, uh, uh, I'm just connecting some dots here. Yes. Carson Teva, my man, the best gumshoe in the galaxy. And in terms of significance, it's everything, uh, Joseph, in a lot of ways. You're talking about uh, Pelly mentioning the Pikes to to, to, – Boba Fett, "This isn't just setting a plot. You just set it so so clearly that Lieutenant reads on the surface. Man, he's digging in on the surface. And Teva's the surface don't matter to him. He wants to find the themes behind everything. <laughs> he wants to connect and 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 going also to the lesson of sometimes when you watch something, are are there sometimes plot holes in things? Yes, in Star Wars, maybe yes." Sometimes things happen because maybe they need to. I, I totally get that conversation. But I'm, I'm the one who is just like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Moff Gideon, not only got an E-Web blaster, he's got like a TIE fighter, he's got stormtroopers. Why would no one be paying attention to this? And boom, here comes a character going, why is no one paying attention to this? <laughs> and to, Right. And to just, I'm just connecting some dots here. It's just it's just great. It's some great police work, Lou. Like it's just it's just I loved it. And it does mean that this is not just and I don't just need things to build in a connected universe. I just it just means everyone in these stories has a point of view, experience and a theme and something to them. And Carson Teva, you're answering the questions I had
1: yeah yeah so i love I love that perspective, I love that vibe, such a great performer. I love the like, yeah hey, hey kid, uh <laughs> it's such a- do you really wanna write up a ticket or should we grab a donut? <laughs> love <laughs> that vibe it's so much fun, and it also just i thought it was very. It, to me, it tied into a little bit of this theme of like, you know, finding joy, finding release versus getting caught up in the red tape like I talked about. Yeah. But also like it sounds like from reports that, you know, the show Rangers of the New Republic is maybe not happening. But the kind of ideas that might have been in that show seem alive and well in this big Mandoverse story that they're building.
2: 100%. 100%.
1: So going back down to some little details, uh, Peli had a BD series droid. uh the droid BD-1 is an incredibly important character in the video game uh, Jedi Fallen Order. How excited uh, were you to see the BD series droid?
2: I uh, very excited, and and uh, you know, in my head, I'm like, I I, I don't, I, I, I it's it's slightly vague. I don't think it's the BD. I don't think it's that. I think it's a unit, but it's the same kind of programming. happy little puppy dog uh loved it and i love just pulling from that kind of stuff and again because these designs are out there and these concept artists and all these wonderful phil sotak books that we read that are just it's all it's all there to play with and i love when uh, you get to pull some of that stuff in and show it in a different light
1: yeah I, I, it was really cool for me because i think if you've played that video game if you've enjoyed it you kind of have a different relationship because it's not just like mm-hmm. yeah it's a fun background droid and another thing it was like that's your buddy <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, with, and without spoilers, important to the story. Um, go, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I just love the
2: moment of uh, Dan going, where's this go? Yeah. <laughs> felt like I was pressing my start button to get the the, the menu up.
1: Some help. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, it's like, I feel like there are very few things that are just like, I, I recognize that that can be fun, that can have value. But I honestly thought the fact that BD was cute and uh, didn't seem to bond with him a little bit. And like, especially when he was kind of like, hey, could you just put the light in the right place? It felt like him fixing the ship with Grogu. And it felt like mm-hmm. this other moment of connection to the, the cute and the innocent and the whimsical, the same way Din connects with that Rodian tyke, right? Like, yeah. so it felt purposeful to me as well yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah absolutely
2: and then and, and being able to see that more and more yeah
1: yeah uh going back to the beginning of the episode uh i really like that prominent role for in ishi tib yeah. <laughs> uh, the the gangster who is given uh or whatever exactly his role is given den the job uh the ishi tib originally appeared in return of the jedi both in Jabba's palace and in the rebellion briefing and they have a special place in my heart because for a while there when i was hunting the targets of Minneapolis uh, for Power of the Force 2 figures, Ishi Tib was one of the primary peg warmers. <laughs> yes. Uh, Peli has what appears to be a Jawa blaster. That's mm-hmm. fun. Uh, the part that uh, Din has the Jawas get, the cryogenic density combustion booster, looks awful like the, the trash compactor pole.
2: Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It could yeah. just be poles in Star Wars, but yes, I, I, I love that. Yeah.
1: That could be what sticks look like with the <laughs> tech sticks. That's this that's what their outage casing looks like. Who knows? Uh, who cares? Not a big one. Last thing for me, a million little things we could write down, but uh when Pelly's asking in how the ship flies, he says she asks if it's smooth, and he says, as a gonks, scomp jack. <laughs> just one of those moments where you're just like, I I'm happy that I'm invested enough that I can translate that and I know what that means. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. A lot of scomp talk in uh, in recent Star Wars between Bad Batch and Jedi uh, Fallen mm-hmm. Order. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it for me for canon lore stuff. Any other thoughts uh, or things that you picked up on? Uh,
2: yeah, you touched upon all the big ones, so many things all the way through. You mentioned the Faster Than the Father there. I love that one. And I love seeing, I think they, they this popped up before, right, Mando? But I love seeing... Uh, when these ships land out there, you know, you got the that structure that's uh, in, uh, in uh, the the NEMA outpost in, in Force Awakens. Uh, yeah. I love seeing that. I love, oh, I love when she's talking about the N1 and she says that, you know, it can go uh, get to hyper, uh, hyperspace with no docking ring. And I was like, ah, prequels. There you go. Love that. Love that.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's just, there's so many uh, great details in particular uh, uh, for prequel love, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's move on to action moments. There was some great action, uh, in this episode. Did you have some favorite moments?
2: I mean, I, we, we, we talked about it, but I I think it's, uh, we need to bring up the opening sequence again. It was full of some very fun, stabby, stab, stab action. Uh, but the, the focus being on the brutality of the dark saber being used there and, and just this great weapon now lost and far from its own purpose and how that connected to Din as well. And some of the bigger things we've already talked about, but it was just, uh, it it, it was, uh, if you like a little uh, dark and gritty slicing in Star Wars, you got it. And, it. and it was impactful because we don't get that all the time.
1: Yeah, that the thing I'm referring to is butcher fight. <laughs> yeah, that's where <works. laughs> it was. It was great it was maybe one of my favorite scenes because it was cool and and brutal and, you know, kind of the, the, the space fantasy of it all, but it had so much meaning. And for me, I, that first time view, I'll always remember that thrill of like, Okay, this is a kind of a standard uh, Din situation. Down to the I can bring you in warm. I can bring you in cold. Those are the options. And he's surrounded. And like, is he going to use uh, the the whistling birds? Um, it, and the thrill of oh, he's has the dark saber and he's willing to use it. The ignition moment was maybe my favorite part of that fight. Yep. Yep. Like again, uh, how many times
2: this episode? I went oh, okay. I said that a lot. Little-
1: yeah. Yeah, and then just for for the actual fight, I love how many shots he's taken to the head. <laughs> yeah. That is like he's doing his best. He gets surprised. He's a little off off his game. The dark saber's not working for him. But he takes so many shots to the head, and yeah. is is vicious as it is the the move of stabbing the guy and throwing him on the table, and then just chopping him all the way in half. Uh, it's it it has great meaning, and yeah. you know for cool action it's cool
2: yeah and it's okay if it takes to also just be cool we talk about that often here in the, the opening sequence uh, you know we haven't uh boba fett hasn't completely uh, unleashed himself in this series yet in that way he's had those great moments but uh, so i think it was just fun to see a, a person in a mando costume go a little crazy
1: yeah, I mean, and, and now, I mean, we'll see where it goes, but there's a good chance that we see a shot where Boba Fett is riding a Rancor and Din Djarin is rocketing around with the Darksaber.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm putting, I, let me check my bank account. I'm putting all of it on Boba Fett on top of a, a Rancor, that Rancor riding it, and and, and, Boba, and Mando just... Going around, and maybe even I'd put a 10 spot on just a quick shot of uh, Grogu in some uh, armor with his ears flapping on the fight, I don't think that's going to happen, but it would be
1: cool, too. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that, because I'm very curious about where we're going. Uh, What were some other action moments that you enjoyed?
2: Um, So, uh, the flight of the N1, uh, flight of the Navigator, now the flight of the N1. uh, Just so much energy to it. It was its own action. Uh, I wanted to highlight some of it in in just the directorial choices, but it just... uh, I don't know. It felt uh, as someone myself who's sometimes critical, sometimes doesn't jive with the volume uh, when things are shot on the volume. And sometimes I don't know what is and what isn't. I always admit that. Sometimes like I, that speeder that the, 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 the Vespa space Vespa chase, I think was, you know, I don't know. Sometimes uh, these shows can feel a little more contained, right? The action is uh, either on a soundstage or on the volume or something. this one just felt it, it was so real. I felt I was so there. The energy to it um the wizardness of it all it was it was its own action sequence and i really loved it
1: yeah the just the the tight curves uh zipping through uh beggars canyon and then that that feeling of i'm not just contained down here i'm not just on this track i'm gonna really see what it needs to what it can do and rocketing into the sky passing those clouds yeah Yeah. it's Incredibly thrilling, great stuff. Um, yep. A couple of other beats for me. In the uh, the training, uh, Ken, you know how much I love any time that people fight on a high place, particularly with swords. <laughs> Fighting in a high place with swords, that's action adventure to me. Yes. <laughs> and when uh, when Din takes the big swing and falls all the way off the bridge yep. <laughs> and jets back up, uh, that's great.
2: Yeah, hey, you know, no rails in Star Wars. We don't need them. We don't want them.
1: We don't need no rails. Um, and then the uh, the fight between uh, Paz, Vizla and Din. Did you enjoy that one? What did you get out of that?
2: Yeah, no, brutal. Uh, brutal indeed. And and just uh, I loved the image, uh, just the whole little sequence of, of Paz I was getting the blade and just it's so heavy. It's just so, it just so thematically works, but it's just uh, a great little moment. It's a great pause in this kind of uh, wild fight that's going on. And, and And they took the time to tell that little beat, and I love that.
1: Yeah, I love seeing like, yeah, it is really not about physical strength if that guy is uh, struggling, right? And it's such a contrast of that. I didn't write down his exact lines, but like I have it, you know, it, it, it fate has brought it back to me and that should be the moment of holding it aloft and he, he can barely get it up to his waist. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's great. I love seeing the the Brace shield uh, in in live action it was really fun. Yeah, uh, it, just for fun, little beats. Uh, there's that moment where uh, even to the the helmet, uh, Vizsla looks uh, surprised when uh, Din blocks uh, the knife with the dark saber, and the knife just gets cut in half.
2: Oh yeah, great little beat too. <laughs>
1: that's a great beat. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's move on to moments of comedy, whimsy, weirdness. There are a lot of fun things in here, uh, including the back half of the episode. So Ken, what were some favorite moments for you? Um, I, uh, right from the start of just, uh,
2: uh, when uh, he's talking to, uh, oh gosh, I forgot the name uh, of the uh, Nikto uh,
1: boss. Uh, Kaba Baez. And uh, I believe they're Klatooinian. Klatu, do I keep saying Nikto, Klatooinian.
2: Sorry. Apologize for that. I've, I've lost this round of trivia.
1: Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just love that exchange where, where, uh, uh, you know, he's not here. I see him right now. <laughs> the bounty, but That's not me. It doesn't even look like, me.
1: Uh, yeah, good comedy there. Good comedy there. I, I liked when he says, "But you look like the practical type." <laughs> yes, <laughs> a funny understatement to the terrifying appearance of yeah. the Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, what are some other moments for you
2: uh, during the training sequence when the armor? Uh, uh, Michelle Lee is the stunt performer portraying the armor. Poff Din on the on his helmet during the training. <laughs> <just> Plink, <laughs> and then grabs his helmet with her pincher or pliers. And, oh uh,
1: yeah, yeah. The pincher helmet grab yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really a little bit earlier than that. Uh, I I love that entire sequence of Din limping limping around, but getting on the elevator in in such a it's such a like dignified space after he gets out of uh, butchering in the butcher shop, and that alien who has the entirely logical sequence of looks of. <laughs> who's this who's this guy what's he got in there who is this guy and then the, the quick look away so great
2: it's funny to see uh i was in watching the the dark saber trials of dark saber episode this morning watching bits of it i should say you see fen Rao standing there you see sabine ren and they're and then they're, uh, they're in the armor in animation it doesn't stand out as much it, it, it just like yeah those are mandalorians i've grown up with them they, they wear their armor to see it live action where he's just walking around a club in his armor. I'm like, it is awkward. It is like, you can't miss it. It's, it, it is, I mean this in the best ways. It's just really fun to see it in live action.
1: Right, like even if, uh, if you're at a convention, a uh, love convention has been at many conventions with a ton of cosplay. You could have people dressed as a Princess Leia, every superhero under the sun. If somebody just clambers in in a full uh, armor knight costume, like yeah. from the medieval times, heads are going to turn. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Uh, another line I really liked, uh, I don't think it's really intended as comedy, but it had this meta element for me is, is when Din in the armor are discussing attachment in Grogu and Din says, I want to see him make sure he's safe. And it just feels like, yes, Din you and the entire damn audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yep. 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 I uh, love uh, you know, parent teacher conference day at the Luke's Jedi school.
1: Yeah. It's so exciting to think about. Um, <laughs> I also like the uh, the RX droid, uh, which was uh, great to see again, uh, mm-hmm. making him get rid of all of his weapons, the little holdout blaster, uh, ejecting the entire rope, <laughs> and, yeah. and that line of, if you wish to discuss this with my supervisor, I will gladly book you on tomorrow's fight." <laughs> that
2: whole sequence was really funny. Again, something this show always just, it, it, it takes its time when it wants to take its time, and the comedy of the drawn out, and then the... The 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 rope was great. The little holdout blaster was just kind of like almost like he's like yeah, even this. Again, even giving you this.
1: Look, I'm being I'm being fair with you. Yeah. Uh, what are some other moments for you?
2: Um, I this is again, you know, two years and I've I've said this before. I always feel I always feel I have to qualify my opinions on it, but it's like I, I've been a fan of Amy Sedaris for years exit 57 great show she was on where Colbert and all those people were on back in the day sketch comedy uh, genius I, I didn't love Pelle. i thought the tone was a little different i i, I just wasn't fully vibing with it but it, it's not just that she's grown on me i just think it's gotten even better smoother they, they figured out a great way just to, to work her into this universe and 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 she's so light she's so bright in this episode there's so many great lines but i just love i love the um hey look everyone it's Mando like it's a TV show or a or live, live stage performance and she's bringing him up there and what do you get hunt a dragon or go on a mission like, like she's watched Mando 1 and 2 <laughs> like
1: I know you you're all about transaction yeah. Yeah. yeah I love the hey look everyone it's Mando yeah like it, like she's introducing somebody on the tonight show yeah. and gets not a good reply from the audience right Um, <laughs> most of the droids just leave and it sounds like R5 D4 is groaning
2: yes yes Oh it, it, yeah. it you're keeping that tradition of uh, of an astromech with a with a dirty mouth.
1: Oh yeah. 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 Don't swear yeah. in front of the customers. Yeah. Uh I really there's a lot of great lines, the the um but one a couple I really like from Pelly is uh, when Din is resisting change and just being like, yeah, no, I do want my money back. And there's that little beat. And then she's like, well, wh- while we're waiting, can I tell you about this, honey? <laughs> <laughs> and I think she she's uh, funny and charismatic and seems like a, a character with a good heart. And she fits into this uh, Tatooine world of like everything is a deal. Everything is a haggle. And it, that, that I'm kind of a mechanic. I'm kind of a used spaceship salesperson. I, I love that in this line. Yeah, yeah.
2: One of my favorite Pelly lines there's a lot of the lines and, and, and by the way, the whole thing when they're rebuilding and they're they're exchanging like terms um clearly very planned out written down, but it was almost like an improv game like there was a time where like Mark Ellis on Jedi Council tried to get the most Billy Joel song titles into the episode without anyone knowing and it was just <laughs> it was just a fun exchange we did, and we did it with Rolling Stone songs too at a schmodown match just to see and 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 I love just every part of the ship got more and more. Star Warsy, <laughs> That was really funny. So there's a lot of funny things to say. All that to say, I loved at one point, Uh, Peli goes, oh, bantha diddle. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to use that in life.
1: Oh, bantha diddle. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, the the exchange about exactly uh, how the ship can function and what can be bypassed is like, oh, we see you, Han and Rey, and we are going to surpass you. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, last one for me is the the back and forth with the with the Jawa dating and their their furry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was funny, but the thing I really like because it, it felt very human to me is uh, when it appears as though that Jawa uh, that you know and it's great that she can speak their language. It's another humanizing thing, but uh, when she's been talking in front of him about dating, it appears that Jawa asks her out <laughs> and she says, "Oh, that's okay. I'm working on me right now." It's <laughs> it's a little bit more subtle and a little bit more, uh, real world. And mm-hmm. I it cracked me up a lot of like, yeah, gently, uh, turning down the Jawa, inviting her out for a cup of <laughs> Jawa juice, maybe.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was one of the things that uh, it could, could hit for you or could not, but, uh, it, it is very real, real world, but it was, it just fits with Pelly. It just, it now, now it's flown for me with Pelly.
1: Yeah. I'm working on me right now. Any other, uh, comedy moments for you?
2: No, but that sequence, a lot of fun stuff, and, and even just the relationship with the droids and uh, uh, pit droids and all that kind of stuff. I uh, love seeing it there.
1: Yeah, absolutely great stuff. Um, any directorial moments that jumped out to you? We love talking about the directors because uh, it's yeah. kind of celebrated. Uh, there's a was kind of a great surge on social media that I saw of people really uh, respecting Bryce Dallas Howard's work in – excited about the idea that she could uh, do more directing in the world of Star Wars. So for you, what were moments that were impactful?
2: Yeah, she does things so well. And, and a lot of people have discussed of, you know, takes and takes bits from Jurassic Park or Jurassic World or you know, even T2 I mentioned earlier. And just, and just that's that Star Wars tradition of what influenced her. As a, as a as a fan, as a director, and and what influences Favreau, and what makes it in there, and and it's just really smooth. This is I I actually think was her best episode so far. I really love this one, and uh, little things, of the camera orbiting uh, around the dinner table when Manda returns a bounty. Yeah, I'll say it's it's a simple little tracking shot, whatever. I just love the use of it. It told a. It told uh, just, uh, it gave gave me a sense of just an overwhelming, uh, you know, Mando's just overwhelmed by by what's going on around him and and where he is and just a little lost, a little confused and and not in one spot. Uh, uh, The cockpit shots I mentioned, you and I always talk about great cockpit acting in Star Wars, right? The Tally Linter Award that we hand out. I just love the shot of it, man. Everything about it, the way it was used, the way with the editing on that. That whole sequence was great, but. uh,
1: that, Yeah, that really low looking up shot where mm -hmm. you can really see his hands uh, on the controls, right? It -hmm. it, it looked like something from an episode of Top Gear. Like, it was. It was so great to make you feel like you were in the cockpit with him.
2: Yeah, uh, and overall, yeah, I'm with uh, I'm with those who are like uh, enough already. To give Bryce Dallas Howard or her own Star Wars series or or, or movie. Uh, she is uh, three for three on a lot of uh, great episodes here.
1: Yeah, I think the thing for me, and I saw other people saying this as well, is that she just really manages to make me as a viewer feel every beat to feel the story in the combat to feel the story in somebody just walking down a a hallway to really bring out the emotion of the, the comedy and the drama and everything, uh, in particular, in some of these things I'm shouting out, I think are are definitely her great work, but also the amazing design. Uh, The introduction of Mando, right, where you see his silhouette, and then mm. there's a little bit of music. He Parts the butcher curtains, and you're you're applauding for somebody yeah. <laughs> walking through the back room of a butcher shop. It's amazing.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry I jump in. Yeah. It. You talk about her just getting getting all the emotions you need to get, and the different emotions out of every scene. That's one of the big things the director does, right? Making sure the tones there, making sure it's connected, and and just even even in the moment with the little Rodian kid, the first time you see it, it is. um, it's sweet and cute, but it's so impactful and it's so poignant. And, uh, I, I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure Bryce, uh, Dallas had has been on an airplane and had one of her kids do that to someone else. And she just <laughs> was able to capture that spirit and, and take the time with it. Uh, again, a lot of that is editing too, but she's driving that ship, uh, driving that, uh, piloting, uh, that ship piloting. that. Yeah.
1: She's, <laughs> she knows the tone she wants and she is getting it from yeah. the performers, from the camera angles, from everything. Yeah, right. Yeah. Great job. Um, Yeah, there's so much to talk about in this episode, Ken, that it's weird to me that we're only getting to this uh, uh, at the end, but there's so much to talk about. Uh, A huge part of my joy for this episode was the aesthetic of that first half, that ring station, just utterly beautiful, the establishing shots of it. Getting to spend that much time in just such a, uh, I love Tatooine, I don't think we're spending too much time there, but it was great. To just be in space and be in this exotic, how how might people live if we lived in space? Mm-hmm. So I love the ring station, love the uh, loving establishing shots, but those long shots of Din limping toward his goal, right? Mm-hmm. It was a way to show us this society that lived on this weird station. You got to see, the, you know, the the upper half and the lower half and the working class and the night and the dark and the the light time in the day. And then you just felt Din is yeah. this like I'm this bloodied warrior limping through it all, just so great and so powerful.
2: Yeah, great use of everything there. Yeah, and that that uh, that station was. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing more of that. Really beautiful stuff. Looked great on, Looked great on uh, on the screen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, two, two other things for me. I'm sure this is uh, direction as well as design. But man, the, some of those images from A Night of a Thousand Tears, like I, I don't want that much sadness. But other than that, I'd want a poster <laughs> like the in particular with like the TIE bombers uh, still ahead, the, the probe droids and the, the creepy eyes of the KX uh, security yeah. droids. That was like a renaissance painting of space fantasy death. That was just <laughs> beautiful and horrible
2: uh yes yeah, so i won't maybe maybe won't, maybe won't, i won't hang it in the living room maybe the den <laughs> that's a den
1: one for sure yeah mm-hmm. final thing for me i really like taking the time of uh having din really appreciate the ship right mm-hmm. uh the way he kind of takes his time to walk around it and look at the different parts and kind of stroke it and stare at that droid port and it you know the time taken made me really get in his head and go yeah he's thinking perfect for grogu <laughs> yeah yeah is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to?
2: No, 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 no. We we hit it all. I mean, uh, this is a big episode. I knew it was, but uh, yeah, there's so much in there. Um, it's just uh, just ripe with themes, ripe ripe with the reason we keep coming back, and then uh, just just full of fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as we begin to wrap up here, we're going to talk about predictions or hopes for next week. I think this uh, chapter did lay some groundwork for what's coming in Book of Boba Fett, but also did raise a ton of questions about what's happening in the next season of uh, The Mandalorian and this kind of larger Mandoverse story. Uh, so what are your thoughts about what's next? I mean,
2: overall, yeah, I, I'm really excited about if, if, if we go back to Manda 3 and we're picking up some of these big Mandalorian Questions and themes And like I You know I want to see Bo-Katan versus The Armorer Like I want to see that <laughs> Like maybe In a philosophical debate uh Resolved Which is the best way To defend Mandalore uh, Or And also a fight Like I just So much going on there So much big picture stuff That's been Floating around since You know Legends But Clone Wars man Right Going to those episodes I really want to uh, Live in that world again and, and be able to see it on screen And see everyone's place in it. it's going to be excited But then just, just Like Just like yeah, I'll go home, Boba. I gotta go see a. I gotta go see a little friend first. I just in my head, I'm like, I can't. We're not gonna see Grogu next week, are we? Like, wow. Like, what? Like, I, I, I guess we are. They're not being. They're not. They're not. Uh, they're not being shady. They weren't shady last week when a music cue hit for Mando. So, uh, so intrigued by what that could
1: mean. Yeah. So, what do you think? Do you think it is that uh, it's another episode of of Mando Adventures within the book of Boba Fett? Do you think it's a uh, split into progressing the Boba Fett story and yeah. um, and Mando? Do you think there's the possibility that uh, the episode starts next week and Mando's back from visiting his little friend, and like Mando season three happens between these two episodes?
2: Uh, ooh, that's, I hadn't thought about that that's actually really interesting there uh, you know where you've been for the last three days you'll find out uh, soon on Disney Plus um, yeah or you know it, it seems uh, it almost seems crazy like I'm joking but who knows he, sh- he shows up yeah I visited him he's okay here he is oh yeah this Luke guy showed up he wants to help but like you know at this point why not <laughs>
1: it could be yeah at this point who knows right I do really feel like making it explicit that uh, Mando's intent is to go visit Grogu, make sure he's safe, uh, in my head canon, give him a, a silver ball necklace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at that point, I feel like there are so many breadcrumbs that are, that are suggesting that we are going to see Luke Skywalker or another Jedi teach Din how to wield that Darksaber. That would make a lot of sense. Make a ton of yeah. sense. Yeah. It doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem that wild anymore. It, it did. Uh, a little while back but it just doesn't seem that wild yeah
2: that's that's the thing and, and, and it makes sense right and and we we always we mean just star wars fans in general just want it to make sense versus anything being wedged in i, I get that conversation uh, i felt luke was the right choice last season uh mando and i think that could uh, it's not it's not wild it's not it's not wild at all to
1: think that yeah maybe it intersects with ahsoka and it in mm. sabine teaches him how to wield that lightsaber yeah could yeah be all of it um, I wrote down just a couple lines uh, from the armor because there were so many great ones that just felt like put a pin in that. This is the armor saying coming eventually mm-hmm. in the Mandoverse saying the songs of beyond past foretold of the Mythosaur rising up to herald a new age of Mandalore. Sadly, it only exists in Legends. That's like, mm-hmm. come on. <laughs> right. For now, right, uh, she says at one point, it is said one warrior will defeat 20 and the multitudes will fall before it. Talking about the Darksaber. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is said... Uh, Uh, One may only be redeemed in the living waters beneath the mines of Mandalore. That's obviously something that Din's going to, is that something that Din's got on his list? Is he he got a to-do list that's not visit little friend, (laughs) help Boba Fett with Pike war, (laughs) Uh, try to go back to these mines that have been destroyed. And I also loved it because I thought that line also tied into a ton of imagery from book of Boba Fett about, being redeemed in living water is a lot of amniotic rebirth imagery, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which has been so huge in Book of Boba Fett.
2: He's going to tell Boba Fett that Boba
1: will be like, hey, "Do you just want to use my back to attack? That's what uh, that doesn't work for me." <laughs> yeah, hey, look, the, there's um, there's a Gamorrean in it right now, but <laughs> I can pencil the end. And if we do, just keep moving forward with the the uh, Book of Boba Fett, the the War with the Pikes. Are you still kind of hoping, expecting this is going to be uh, more uh, bounty hunters amassed, uh, war heading? Uh, any other thoughts there?
2: Yeah, no, look, I, I the idea of uh, you know, Din shows up or Din returns or, or whatever happens and, and Boba Fett has done some recruiting or, or hiring of talent, uh, you know, and, and calm Black Crescent down and Bosk or anyone else, uh, you know, maybe some, you know, some good-hearted, uh, less uh, gray area characters would help me as well, too, but... Yeah, I, I, you know, uh, absolutely. And, and you know, even if there's that fractured uh, sliver of hope that the warrior from the Tuscan camp survived in some way, shape mm-hmm. or form, I, I, I'm going to I'd hold on to that, too. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind that. I, I, I would love to. This is why I, I wouldn't I wouldn't. You know, we, we I don't want to say this in a, in a really declarative way, but like I don't want next week to just to be Mando on the side again. Get, let's get Boba back in. Let, let's really kind of work that up and get us ready for a, a big finale.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will I will go along for the ride, and I will trust that there's a reason for that. If it is Mandalorian seeking out Grogu, uh, I will let it play out. But yeah, right now, I, I am excited to get back to that main story. And I feel like the previous seasons of Mandalorian, uh, to me, give some clues that the the second-to-last episode often ramps things up, particularly season one of Mando. Uh, You know, the final conflict kind of began, and we were left with a cliffhanger, right, of them hunkered in the cantina and the death of poor Quill, uh, the child captured. So I could see an episode where, hey, the the forces are aligned. Uh, Boba Fett's got some bounty hunters. The Pikes have some bounty hunters. Mm. They're heading to a conflict. There's a bit of a cliffhanger. I even think that we could get some of a revelation that I think is coming of more specific motivations by Boba Fett. And or the revelation uh, of the Pikes being responsible for the Mm. Tuscan atrocity. I think some of those things I really suspect uh, are coming and I think they could be coming as soon as next week or I could be wrong. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Oh, we could be wrong. (laughs) We'd never know. It's so wild. You go back to those
1: four center archives, we're either way off or just pinpoint accurate. (laughs) <laughs> we're rarely anything in between so it's uh, it's fun to see uh, where we'll land uh, how close we are on the old dartboard the space dartboard uh, we like to wrap up with a fun question we like talking about merch because that is a part of the Star Wars journey if there was some merch based on this particular chapter of Book of Boba Fett what would you want?
2: well I said before definitely need some uh, new N1 uh, some some N- N1 N crest uh, uh, toys Lego I said <laughs> whatever will be probably perfect Here's my thought. Um, I want a, a a dark saber, but it's heavy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like when you try to pick it up and target, you it's, fall over. It's like
2: thirty pounds. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, I, I want to see. Uh, I want to see that out
1: there. Oh yeah, that's great. I'd I, I love what has become this very strange real world thing where that uh, uh, Hazlab. Uh, campaign to make the Razor Crest uh, in the vintage three and three-quarter size uh, premiered. I, people got excited, myself included, and the Razor Crest is destroyed. Yeah. And now we're right on the verge. They have sent out the notification that they're going to be sending out the Razor Crest soon. So now we have this episode that's all about him replacing the Razor Crest. So what I want is I want the second that my HasLab Razor Crest arrives, I want Hasbro to announce the N1 Hot Rod <laughs> campaign. <laughs> where I can also crowdfund the yep. N1 Hot Rod. Um,
2: uh, I might I might join you on that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, they're having so much fun making every tiny variation of uh, Mando and Boba Fett because they're popular and because, you know, some of it is just repainting armor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with mild changes, I very much looking forward to uh, Mando with leg wound and limping action going into production right
2: away. Oh, yeah. It's like battle damage He-Man. Let's do it. <laughs> exactly
1: final thing Ken which I think would be great is uh if you could get little gift bags in uh Grogu head shape <laughs> like Mando has in this episode oh like little almost
2: subscription bags every month you get something <laughs> new from Grogu
1: yeah it's tied into a little cloth in his in the shape of his head that makes you long to see Grogu okay. anyway that is it for us Ken do you want to let people know where they can find us
2: absolutely we are the force center podcast feed we're on twitter at force center pod we're on instagram and YouTube as well. Our Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. You can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash four Center. You can also get an audiobook on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Center. Podcasts available at a lot of different spots, including our home, Acast, but also Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more, more on the way shortly. And uh, you can support us directly at patreon.com slash or center uh, you can find me on twitter at ken Napsuk or instagram and you can go to my website Kennapsock.com, for all the things i do joseph
1: yeah you can find me on all the social media twitter instagram tiktok is at joseph scrimshaw and you can check out all of my other comedy adventures on my website joseph scrimshaw.com uh, but for now for myself for ken for the word wizard this has been the book of boba fett report